radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Kopitar, quick pass back to Johnson, fakes it. Dowdy, Kopitar, great block by Kessler. Kopitar scores! Arce Kopitar, Los Angeles Kings win tonight, 3-2. A power play goal ties this series 1-1. For Friday, May 7th, 2021, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and I am still uh, James Cole. Hi, everybody. I'm Bruce Battaglia from the High Button, High Button Sports. How's it going, man? Um, first, first, first week of May. Look at that. Yeah. We did it. Crazy. Five months, uh, f- f- five months into the year already. Isn't that nuts? What is time? Yeah. It's a flat circle, James, if uh, the last year's taught us anything. Uh, time is meaningless. So, anyway, that begins my uh, segue into our guest for this week. Uh, the late Carl Sagan will be on to talk about uh, time. How'd you pull that one off? Yeah. Um, We've been saving all of our uh, sponsor budget for this big moment. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the May now, it's it's the it's the month that the playoffs are going to start. So I know everybody's talking about that. We're all feeling good about the playoffs and getting ready for those first round matchups. Three weeks from now, two weeks from now, two months from now. No one really knows. We don't know no. when they start, but they're coming. I'm told. So it's ridic- ridiculous. That's something to look like, forward to. I guess trying to plan how to do a podcast here that bases around like current events. And I had to text you this week and be like, hey, man, do you know when the playoffs start? And you're like, well, I think it's this date, but I actually have no idea. And I'm like, yeah, that, that's more than I knew. Like, it's it, when, what, when are we doing this? Are we doing this at all? Because, like, I assumed that, like, we were all just going to kind of, like, we were all under the assumption that, like, the Canadian games were just going to kind of get, you know, swept under the rug, the ones that don't mean anything. And then they're on TSN tonight. They're just like, yeah, this is the second to last uh, Leafs hockey night on the TSN this year. Uh, the last night of the year next Friday is the Leafs host the Jets. I'm like, wait, shouldn't uh, shouldn't we be like doing game two of the playoffs by then? Like, what? What? Yeah. Um, I think we can all thank the Vancouver Canucks for their, their role in in you know, being a big part of the playoffs this year and, and not so much playing in the playoffs, but just, you know, affecting when we play the playoffs, I suppose. Um, I, I, I kind of think uh, the NHL should do like the, like the, in the movie the night before where you just get a message at like 10 o'clock and it's like, you have to show up at this address for game one. And then, you know, the Leafs and Habs just show up and it's like this barn in the middle of Regina, Saskatchewan. And, and that's where game one is. Yeah, like we really are at the nutcracker ball stage of this, right? Where it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, they they say the playoffs are going to happen, but like, I, I don't think we're going to see them. Like, what are the chances we're going to see the playoffs, right? Yeah, we just 
We just need some drug dealing Jesus figure to to save us all at this point. So do, does that make Michael um, Shannon and is, what, is Gary Bettman Michael Shannon? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, do you look at me as a father figure? That's a good question, what? actually. <laughs> I'll see you later. Tell Isaac. Um, I'll see him later. Speaking of. Speaking of drug dealing Jesus type figures, uh, Rob Gronkowski is mm. uh, playing playing golf. It's happy lightning. Apparently, that's pretty cool. Uh, the guy can do it all. He, he wins some Super Bowls, then retires. He, he tries uh, the retirement life, and he's no good at that. So he comes back and he wins on the Super Bowl. Uh, and now he's like, you know what? I'm tired of that. So I'm going to go. I'm going to stop pucks with Tampa lightning because it's probably not that hard, right? They've you know got to stand there. He's he's a big guy. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. Like Kalorn and Stamkos know how to shoot the puck, so like they're they're. I was pretty sure they were aiming it at his glove hand, but like he still has to lift his glove and open it and catch the puck quick enough to actually make the save. So like, even as easy as that as it may sound, if they're just shooting the puck right at his glove, like he still has to actually catch it. And although he's made a living on catching things, like it wasn't an easy thing. So I was watching the video and I was just like, it's actually crazy that he's, he's catching these pucks. Like he has no experience at all doing this. And he, he looked all right. It was, it was kind of neat. You think Julian Edelman's next perhaps uh, on the list of guys to step in? He's too small to play in that James. Come on. Goaltenders. Does it? Well, yeah. 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't. He would be. I mean, UC Saros is kind of having a little bit of a small goalie renaissance here, so maybe the small kings can prevail. It's uh, it's hard to say. It'll be interesting because uh, uh, you know I I think it's a foregone conclusion now that you know I guess we're in May, and I I think I think both these guys are going to make the playoff roster for Tampa Lightning because uh, everybody else is injured. So you know who are they going to turn to? And um, that'll, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Go. Go Bucks, I guess, right? Hmm. Not not Milwaukee, but the other ones. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Getting to the uh, the big, yeah. Getting getting to the big news of the uh, the day, I guess, is uh, is uh, Ed Olchuk is uh, set to sign a five year deal uh, to join Turner's NHL uh, broadcasting team as their lead analyst. Eddie Olchuk heading over to Turner to be their lead analyst, leaving NBC uh, in every facet, except uh, except they're going to allow him to uh, continue with his uh, horse racing coverage. Apparently, uh, apparently, uh, the old tech horse racing guy likes to, likes to bet on the ponies. So I, I, I thought that was interesting. Like, I, I don't know how I feel about Eddie Olchek as an analyst per se, but like he was a pretty, pretty smart dude for the NBC you know, broadcasting team and all that. And um, it'd be a little, little weird in my opinion to see him in the studio as opposed to behind the microphone doing games, but I'm glad he's, he's going to carry on in, in some facet because I, I think obviously when you're moving away from NBC, who's been, you know, doing it for as long as they have, you're probably going to lose a few people along the way. And uh, he's, he's one of the few that I'm, I'm glad we, we kept on. I agree with you in part. I, I would say about Eddie Olchek that, uh, as much as I love the guy, like I absolutely love Eddie Olchek. He's not a great analyst by any stretch. And like, 
I like the idea that he's still going to be on and I, and I figured he would be a natural guy that he would sign on with either Turner or ESPN and that we would still have him around, but I don't really know that he's a guy that I, I want to hear, you know, his breakdown of the game on a night to night basis, because he is, um, he is one of those analysts where, you know, he's clearly very far removed from the game and a lot of his points are just, uh, you know, he doesn't say anything hot takey. Like, it's not like as if you put Mike Milbury between the benches or something and it's just like, uh, we need to see more fights out there. Like, you know, you don't you don't really get that from Eddie. Like, Eddie's, you know, he's trying to adapt with the times, but um, he doesn't really have a lot to offer, I, I find. So I, I don't really know. Like, I, I like Eddie as a personality. Uh, I think he'll be a good guy in the studio. And that's why I'm sort of wondering if, if Turner maybe transitions him there. Cause I think he'd be a better guy to kind of just chum around with the dudes. If they have like a panel of four or five guys, Eddie'd be great at that, but I don't really need him in a Ray Ferraro role. <laughs> so I, I don't really know that he's someone that is going to make much of a difference there. And that he, then that, that is going to be his role long-term. I could see him getting moved around. He'll, he'll chum around uh, good with the guys. Like he said, I think you're bang on there. So long as uh, Pierre Maguire is not one of the guys uh, no. That's going to be on said panel because those two uh, don't get along, or or maybe Pierre thinks they do, but uh, Eddie, oh. you can just tell. Pierre, Pierre doesn't no care. Guy. But like Eddie, Eddie is very uh, like like put it this way: like I don't know Eddie Olchek personally, but everything I've heard about him and every impression you get from him on television is that he is the nicest guy possibly in the sport, and. He verbally on the air many, many times has like called Pierre an idiot, like during a game, like not, I don't think he used that word, but he like all the time will just be like, I don't know if that's true there, Pierre, but, uh, or like, that's kind of what I was trying to get at, like just kind of cuts him off and shit. Uh, it's the only instance where I've ever seen Eddie kind of seem like a little mad and, uh, it's kind of funny, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really need the two of them. I don't really need to hear that anymore, I guess. And, and you know what? As as far as a um, a, a debut for you know, like this is the first move that, by all accounts, we we can tell Turner has made uh, as far as going out and hiring anyone for their NHL coverage. I, I think this is a pretty good, safe you know first step. You're, you, they didn't go out and get no. Pierre Maguire with their first move, a guy that's probably a little controversial, or you know they they went and got a guy that I think everybody can get behind. He had the you know the cancer story a couple of years ago, and I think everybody yeah. fell in love with that, and we we're all happy to see him back in the game. So I'm I'm glad to see that he's going to stick with it, and he gets his horses out of it too. That's it's always nice. It's a so win win for Eddie. He's well spoken, so I think for new hockey fans, he'll be like your perfect sort of proxy. Yeah, and he used to play for the Blackhawks too. I don't know if you heard about that. So mm. you know, all, all those Blackhawks fans, they'll they'll have their their guy that they can still rely on to be there. Did you know he coached Sidney Crosby and Mario Lemieux? It's crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, going uh, kind of hand in hand with this is uh, Ray Ferraro uh, is close to a deal uh, with uh, ESPN. Now I'm I'm not entirely positive on on what role it is. I don't know if you can maybe shed some same light as on Eddie, that. lead analyst. Same as Eddie, lead yeah. analyst. Interesting. That one, that one, I think is is probably going to work out really well for ESPN. But but boy, is it a shame to not have Ray Ferraro down between the benches. <laughs> like he he is the best at that role. Well, that's still an analyst, though. Like that's that's one of those things where 
Um, I think, I think what this role does is frees them up to kind of do both. And so, um, like I, I expect that this means Ray will still be doing games between the benches. And if it doesn't mean that it's, it's not going to take long before ESPN's just like, yeah, we're going to put you back between the benches. Like he, he's the best at it. He's the one who perfected it. Uh, it maybe wasn't a role that he invented or anything like that, but, um, Ray, is quite clearly the best in the game at it. And like, like, I don't even like if you were to ask me who the number two guy in the sport is between the benches or like, you know what I mean? Even just best color guys. Like, like, I don't know. It's for me, it's Mike Johnson and he doesn't even do it anymore. So it's like, it's a sizable gap between Ray and the next active guy doing it. You know? So, I mean, I, I think that'll fair. be his role. You yeah. Know? Now, um, does this mean he's not going to be with TSN? No. Uh, as far as I understand it, this is going to basically mirror what a lot of the guys had. Like, it, it'll be just a step up from what he was doing currently, which was NBC and TSN. But he wasn't like a lead analyst at NBC. He was more like a part-time guy. So I hmm. think we'll see him less on TSN now. But he'll still be doing that, as far as I understand. Ray's, like, one thing that... Ray has said that he really likes about his deal with TSN is he does so many Canadian games in Canada. He gets to go home and see Cammy for like a day or two here and there. And if he's uh, doing significantly more in the States and things like that, it becomes a little more difficult, right? To make that work. So I I feel like that's probably part of it, but regardless, I mean, it's obviously a slam dunk higher if, if that deal gets done. Yeah, and, and Cammy's going to be busy, of course, now, too, with the Seattle Kraken. So uh, maybe Ray's got some right. more free time on his hands. Maybe that's who's, why he wants to be to in say? Seattle a little more. Maybe Ooh, be with there the ESPN. There it is. All right. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, like, I'm, I don't know. I don't name the episodes myself. So, like, uh, I guess I guess Brutes would know this. But you, you, you people all probably know what's coming already at this point. Um uh yeah so uh, tom wilson is, we're gonna talk about this guy again because uh not a lot else uh happened i guess that we're gonna cover so um fuck. Which is not true <laughs> I, I don't know yeah i don't know i it's it i'm i'm so exhausted at this point where it's like i don't even know how to how to introduce this topic but like the, I I I, sh- I shit you not, Roots. This is the largest breakdown I've ever written. Because like when I do a breakdown for my own notes, like I'll I'll add like oh I want to mention this and I want oh I want to touch on that. I shit you not. I can still see both of us on Zoom when we're having a conversation, and I can't see me. I'm I'm totally like glossed over. I'm I'm only looking at you. Uh, here's looking at you, kid. And the rest of my screen is just this one big note of 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 this crap that we have to stiff through um so i i think i think i think maybe the best way to do this is to just you know go chronologically and i we'll think start from the beginning i think for the sake of our guests i will tell them that now might be a good time to lace up your boots mm. for the high button i'm brutes bataglia thunder bay yeah, that's it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was terrible, but um, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take this chronologically because I think there's a lot of moving parts here with uh, different 
stories coming out uh, over the last couple of days, but uh, backing it up to Monday night, the the Capitals and the Rangers. I don't know if you heard about this. Uh, they had a game um, in in which uh, I I guarantee you no one is going to know the answer to this until I mention it. But uh, they played they played a game that the Capitals won, um, oh, really? and um, during said game, uh, Tom Wilson got uh, into an altercation, and uh, his his name was thrown back into the. Uh, the social media world about uh, his, his conduct and, and the way he plays the game. And, uh, and, and then a, a, a series of other things happens. So uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll start with, with uh, Monday night's game and we'll, we'll kind of go through, you know, what happened then and then, and then the fallout. So, so Brutes um, Monday night, Tom Wilson down on the ice uh, wrestling with a guy in his goalie's crease uh, gives a shot in the back of the head to uh, Pavel Buchnevich, and uh, all hell breaks loose, uh, resulting in big scrum. Everybody's uh, got a dance partner, and uh, Tom Wilson and, and Artemi Panarin, two unlikely uh, foes, get into it. And uh, I think uh, just based on name power alone, we can all assume how this one ended up. Uh, it, it resulted in, in Tom Wilson, uh, you know, manhandling, Artemi Panarin, and um, and then and then as far as everyone else is concerned, the game ended because nothing else mattered, and we all freaked out on Twitter about it. So uh, we'll start with Monday night, and 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 your thoughts on on what transpired. Uh, well, Tom Wilson being Tom Wilson, right? It's not. Uh, it shouldn't have been anything where the incident happened and anyone was all that shocked. Which is, which I guess is sort of unfortunate. I mean, you know, it, it goes back to uh, the last time we talked about Tom Wilson, which was what uh, two months ago or less, somewhere in there, where I made the point where I don't, I don't, I don't really think he's a particularly good hitter. Like I also think he's a guy who I'm not really sure that he realizes how big and strong he is compared to everyone else, which is fine. Like I, I don't really know that it's necessarily his job to to be cognizant of that all the time. Really, like. Uh, if, if he were so irresponsible, irresponsible with it, the league would have kicked him out by now. Right. And I guess philosophically, that's, that's kind of where, where I came down when I saw the incident, I was pissed off when I saw it. I was, I was not happy with it because I do think separating the incident from the man, like regardless, it was, uh, it was a pretty dangerous thing to do. Uh, I saw people comparing it to the Todd Bertuzzi incident. I can, I'm not going to lie, I can actually understand that comparison in a way for how dangerous the situation was, but I don't, I don't really think that Tom Wilson was trying to kill Artemi Panarin. I think he kind of just got a little carried away uh, or a lot carried away really. But um, yeah, I I didn't like it. I thought, uh, I thought it was easily a suspendable incident if it's not Tom Wilson. Uh, given that it's Tom Wilson and what's happened, I thought that he should have been suspended for a very long time. That was my, I guess, initial reaction anyway. Okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll start by saying, um, if, if anyone listening has, has come, uh, into today's episode and, and all they saw was a 12 minute video breaking down six seconds of play, uh, slowed to the speed of paint drying, uh, and you've decided that uh, a public hanging needs to take place. Uh, you know, 
just probably go ahead and jump ahead to the Jake Vertanen stuff because we'll just catch up there because I'm going to assume that the next little bit is probably not for you because, um, like, this is one of the things that pisses me off more than anything about, like, hockey social media and, like, hockey Twitter and all this is where we, we see something happen and then we have to stop and we have to study frames 213 to frame 215 and and break down the exact moment where you know time froze and now we're we're assessing something completely different than what happened in real time and everyone freaks out and loses their mind and um it it, it aggravates me to no end so just want to get that out of the way because i saw a lot of people retweeting videos that were you know some guy sitting at home with his camera on his cell phone recording the television because he hasn't figured out how to record the fucking television he has to do it on his phone on the tv and it's 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 chaos um like they're called dads james right Uh, i'm so sorry i i i apologize to the elder community just because uh, you have a tech savvy father doesn't mean that everyone Mm -hmm. else does i so Um, i actually but so I'll I'll start like again I'm gonna, I'm going to go chronological here I'll start with the Buchnevich incident like for me like you know what shouldn't happen in a hockey game in my opinion like you you shouldn't get like punched in the back of the head and you shouldn't get cross checked in the lower back every time a guy gets near the goalie but you know what happens in every hockey game uh, you get punched in the back of the head and you get cross checked every time you go near a goalie stop right now pause the podcast. Put a hockey game on. Sit down for a couple hours. Watch it. You will see a few of these incidents take place. Well, um, I, I will argue with you slightly. You actually don't see it anymore, but it is a natural part of the game, despite the fact you see it less frequently, right? I, you don't I, see a lot of it anymore, really. Like you, you are allowed to kind of get away with murder in front of the net, but that doesn't mean you should expect to get away with murder in front of the net, right? If you sure. go to the net yeah. hard things are going to happen. You have to yeah. kind of be aware of that exactly. possibility and you can't act shocked when it does. Yeah. Buchnevich, he, like he knew where he was. He knew he was going to take some abuse for it. And he did. And, and Tom Wilson got fined for said abuse. And I'm fine with that. Like I've, I've been, I don't, I don't know if vocal is the right word, but like I've, I've made my piece on this podcast in the past about how like, you know, I'm, I'm not super anti Tom Wilson. Like, yeah, he, he's done some shitty shit, but I don't think that, the reaction that everyone seems to come up with is, is warranted all the time. So uh, he got fined for it. And, and that's fine because that's how the rule works. If, if you go and read it, that's, that's exactly what you get. You get a $5,000 fine when you do shit like that. And then, you know, also the other part of that is, yeah, because he is Tom Wilson. So he should get fined for this incident. For me, it was like, yeah, that was, that was pretty much the end of it the Buchnevich stuff. I, I saw a lot of people freaking out about um, how that by itself should have been, you know, worthy of a few, few game suspension. I don't really see the correlation. Like I can't really do the math myself and, and figure out where they, they come up with those numbers. If, if your sole argument is that it's Tom Wilson and he automatically gets three games for breathing on somebody. Well, like I don't really agree with that, but I, I, definitely don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt either like there's there's something in the middle for me and and as far as this goes like if the, if the guy jumps on the ice and, and throws a clean hockey hit the the reaction apparently is to suspend him for a game but like 
That's only because his name is Tom Wilson. You mean by by player safety has done that in the past, like suspended him for clean hits? Or you mean like the reaction by hockey Twitter is that they should suspend him? No, like like them, like them. Well, when when it's against the rules, yeah, he should automatically get more than that for sure. But you know, just because he throws a big hit that happens to be clean doesn't mean that he should not be allowed to do that anymore. He's certainly allowed to play the game within the confines of the rules. Like everyone else, right? I'll, I'll I, I know that's I'll, not what you're saying. I'm just, I'm just, I like, like hockey Twitter. Anytime he does yeah. anything that's like explosive, freaks out. I think that's what you were trying to say. Yeah, like, I guess, I guess, me saying clean hit is is not the right way because that's a clean play. If he trips a guy, he should get two games. Like, well, no, that's not really right. how it works. He <laughs> broke the rules. He shouldn't have to automatically yeah. get two games because he broke the rule. Every you know, minor penalty, penalty is now a major for him. Yeah, exactly. no, no, no. Yeah, like, no. He, he, he. he obviously um like look like if they're gonna let him continue to play the game then he is just another player out there and shouldn't be refed any differently or anything like that i don't think he is yeah but um you know like going back to your point like he maybe you don't give him the benefit of the doubt like for he lost that years ago he lost benefit of the doubt for sure when it comes to how he should be treated by player discipline now separating that argument from this incident uh, like for sure, if he does something that's blatantly fucked up, that would get someone else like four or five games, depending what it is. Like he, he should get 20 to 60 or something now. Like, you know what I mean? Like he, he is long past the point where, you know, this guy is, uh, the same as everyone else in, in that sense. Um, so I understand when he does something that's fucked up that people kind of freak out, but you know, going back to this incident, like it's possible to say that he did something really dumb and kind of fucked up and something that I still think he should have been suspended for quite a while for and not need to publicly lynch the guy either for it. You know, like, like at the end of the day, this falls back on the fact that the NHL has a guy in the league who's bigger than most guys that has an anger problem and, they continue to trot him out every night. And sometimes things like this are going to happen. If you have guys like that in the league, he's probably not the only one. He's just the guy who happens oh, to be guaranteed. Doing he's it. Not. Yeah. He, he just happens to be... to be the guy that six foot four, 240 pounds. Well, and he's the only guy that maybe is that big, that has an anger problem uh, that plays 20 minutes a night. So he's out there more often. He plays every game. Like he's never a healthy scratch. He's good enough to make the lineup yeah. every night. So the, the frequency in which this shit happens is going to happen more than if it were a fucking, enforcer that plays four minutes a night that's just looking to kind of piss a couple people off and disturb little things when he's out there right um yeah but like regardless i guess i guess what i'm getting at here is that you know with the incident uh, like i wasn't even so mad about the buchnevich shit as much like it was that was bad and probably should have got a game or two for me the panarin thing was the was the dangerous thing but again like, and th- this isn't a reason not to suspend him, but this is a reason to maybe not like send his girlfriend threatening letter or threatening uh, uh, messages on Instagram and shit like that is that, you know, in a split second moment where he was already fired up and Panarin was in his face, he tried to get him out of his face and he went a little overboard and probably literally like a minute later, I would imagine he's like, yeah, it was pretty fucked up to throw a guy without a helmet like to the ice and, and grab him by the hair and do it, right? Like, yeah, that that's fucked up. But like he he snapped. You know what I mean? And that's not 
that's not defensible, but it's also not a reason where we need to uh, send him death threats and shit like that. Because I don't think in that moment he was trying to kill Artemi Panarin. He just maybe forgot that he's like 60 pounds bigger than the fucking guy. Like, I'm not defending him either. Like, I, I, I thought it was fucked up and he should have got suspended. But like, this isn't a reason to uh, go after. And this isn't a reason to like completely freak the fuck out either, right? Like, you're allowed to be an adult who watches hockey and likes to tweet about it without be- making a fool of your fucking self, too. One more thing that I wanted to touch on with the Buchnevich thing before I get to the, the Panarin incident is that, like, the the, Buch- the Buchnevich play is, is, is what got the, spe- uh, the sorry, the, the fine. That's that's what g- got garnered the $5,000 uh, uh, fine for Tom Wilson. So, like, if, if you're mad about about that and 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 you, and you, and you think that Tom Wilson should have gotten like another extra game or two your your problem isn't with Tom Wilson and your problem isn't with the department of player safety your problem is with the NHL and specifically the NHLPA for not figuring out how to raise the minimum fine on these sort of plays from $5000 to literally anything higher than that because it's in the CBA, and we have to go through the CBA negotiation every fucking six to eight years and have to cancel seasons as a result to figure all these details out. So when the NHL comes to the NHLPA and says, gee, we sure would like to suspend guys uh, a, a little more when, when they do something dumb, uh, and the NHLPA goes, well, cool, uh, we would like to protect our guys, but... What do you want to give us in return for upping said price? And the NHL goes, well, nothing. Yeah, fuck off. Like, I, I, I'm not going to give you shit. So, if if you're mad about the suspension, or, sorry, about the fine, you, you got to look a lot higher than Tom Wilson on on, on this because uh, that that's that's where the rule is. That's how the rule's written. That's what you get if you do that sort sort of thing. And I know we're going to talk about the whole like, yeah, it's Tom Wilson. He deserves more, but. If you're quote unquote handcuffed by the rules and that's what the fine is, like I, I think it's safe to say that the Department of Player Safety would have, you know, fined Tom Wilson more if they could have, but they can't, because that's the maximum. So what are we talking about here? Uh, I, the, I, I, I will add that the, the idea that I do like is, is going by a percentage of the player's salary as opposed to a fixed number because it's, it's asinine that a guy making league minimum can be fined 5,000 and a, you know, it's, it, uh, yeah, it, sense, it, it doesn't make any sense to find, uh, someone what is the equivalent of a thousand dollars to them to find the same guy, the equivalent of $20. Like they should be, they should be yeah. fined, you know, it should yeah. be $1,000 relative to whatever their fucking concept of that amount of money is, right? Like, like that's all that is because, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, to your point, like, the Leafs chipping in all this money to give to their AHL team to help them out because they're not making as much money this year. Like, that, yeah, that that's great. That is them recognizing that Jake, Jake Muzzin literally said, I had a bunch of spare money lying around. Yeah. And the, the amount of money he probably gave them was like a hundred thousand dollars, right? Like it, it's like to him, yeah. though, that was like that was like donating five hundred bucks yeah. to charity or something. But for uh, for other guys, that might have been a lot more. And for these guys that are actually getting the money, like this is a big difference for them. So these are the same guys that, even though they're making one hundred and twenty k in the AHL right now, 
might get called up to uh, fight fucking Tom Wilson on Wednesday night or something like that, right? And, you know, these yeah. guys are, are, even though not paid like it, and even though they don't play in the NHL, they are de facto NHLers, most of them. And, uh, yeah, it's unfair if one of them gets called up one night and the coach tells him to fucking go fight a guy and the NHL wants to fine him a certain percentage. Like, this is a guy who maybe made, uh, you know, it, it, it's unfair to, like, a guy who's maybe making 150K that year to get the same fine for Tom, than Tom Wilson gets for a fucking $5 million salaried guy. Yeah, yeah. But as I said, it's it's the maximum. I'm sure they would have given him more if they could have, but they can't. So that, that that's not Tom Wilson's fucking problem. That's for the NHL and the NHL to PA to figure out. And uh, the NHL should be working a lot harder to provide those assets to uh, George Peros so that he can levy uh, larger fines. But that doesn't seem to be Gary Bettman's prerogative. So uh, do with that information as you will. Um, now, uh, I'm, I'm going to get to the Artemi Panarin thing here. It's... Um, Look, I, I think it was really shitty. I think it was really dangerous. Um, but two things can be true at the same time. The the play was dirty, but it wasn't Bertuzzi Moore 2.0, like you mentioned. Like, this this wasn't uh, something that we're going to end up in the uh, courts of the Canadian government uh, disputing about whether or not this guy should ever play hockey again or face jail time. Um I've seen this play a dozen times in my life watching hockey, and yeah, you know what? It's shitty that it happened. Uh, Tom Wilson, being Tom Wilson, maybe should have got a game or two. Um, but when you see a play like that time and time again, and it kind of becomes not part of the game, but it becomes something that you put up with as part of the game, um, it's hard to really you know, single one guy out, and I, I know it's easy to do so because it's Tom Wilson, but, like, yeah, the, the, Artemi Panarin should probably not be jumping on the back of a guy that could do that to you. Like, you know what I do when I'm out and about, you know, pre-COVID, um, and I'm at a bar, is I don't jump on the back of a guy that's a lot bigger and a lot stronger than me and get my ass fucking kicked in the middle of a a, a, a bar fight because... That would be really fucking stupid of me to do. So, um, it was a heat of the moment. It was a scrum between two teams, and yeah, things went a little overboard. But like I said, this isn't this isn't something that we have to argue in the courts about whether or not uh, uh, this guy should be uh, you know strung up by the by the noose and in, in, at the town court. Well, luckily we don't, right? Like, but that's that's the whole thing. Is just like you know, luckily nothing worse happened in that moment. So everything's good and we can just sort of move on in a way. But like, I get the comparison in the sense that, uh, yeah, it was, it was arguably as dangerous for sure. But the difference is that was Todd Bertuzzi, uh, trying to kill Steve Moore. Like, yeah, kind of was Tom Wilson trying to kill our Timmy Panarin. No, he was kind of just trying to swat a fly out of the, out of his way. And he got a little fucking carried away. I'm not defending him again. I, st- I thought it was dangerous enough that he should have been suspended for a long time. But I understand the whole, like, the NHL wants to be like, well, he wasn't trying to kill him. It just could have ended that way. And uh, it isn't explicitly against a rule what he did. <laughs> All he did was throw a guy to the ice who happened to not be wearing a helmet. And is it Tom Wilson's fault 
or job in that moment to police the fact that he doesn't have a helmet? Like, probably, but, like, that's not... There's nothing that says that. So, by the rules, like, can you can you throw the book at Tom Wilson? I don't even know if they could have. It's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, do I think it was fucked up for sure? And if there was a way to suspend him for 20 games, they should have, they should have, because it was insanely dangerous. But also, like, again, two things can be true. Like, I'm, I'm understand why he didn't get suspended, and I'm not even saying that they have to suspend him on that incident. But it also was incredibly dangerous, and it is something that he should know not to do by this point, but he, he either doesn't know or doesn't care, and whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good thing that Sidney Crosby didn't have five inches and 40 pounds on whichever flyer it was he tossed around the next night because uh, I'm sure it would have been uh, about just as ugly uh, 24 hours later. Um, I don't know if that's just because it was Sidney Crosby, so we're not going to talk about it because Sidney Crosby is the golden angel boy of the NHL, or if it just wasn't Artemi Panarin that was on the receiving end of it, who is the uh, obviously big market star of the big market team. But... Um, yeah, like I said, like I've I've seen this play time and time again. Tom Wilson just happened to be a lot fucking bigger than Artemi Panarin, and it doesn't make it right, and it doesn't make it like not dirty. It just it's hard to argue when you you see these things over and over again that oh this is right, but this is wrong because you're big. Oh well, don't be big. Yeah, I I mean it was one of those things where in the moment it was shocking though, right? And like I I understand you're you're right. Like we've seen it before. It's happened before. But, like, it is 2021, and at a certain point, like, there there should be more of an effort to try, try to protect these guys. But, like, short of strapping everyone's helmet to their head and then double wrapping it with duct tape, sometimes helmets are going to fall off. And if they fall off of guys who happen to be battling guys that are 60 pounds heavier than them, sometimes some fucked up shit is going to happen. We also shouldn't be playing a sport where there's uh, super sharp blades on the skates, but we do that as well. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those things where the sport is unfortunately set up for tragedies to potentially happen. And uh, we shouldn't have guys like Tom Wilson that are capable of snapping and, and something going fucked up and wrong. He's in the league. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, until we have insanely strict psychiatric evaluations, maybe Tom Wilson passes that anyway, uh, you're never going to be able to prevent something like that from happening anyway. Right. So yeah. whatever. Uh, lastly, I'd like to say to just spare me the season ending injury thing to Artemi Panarin. Um, <laughs> I, I no look, honestly, like I, I, I don't give a shit. This is a team that's not making the playoffs, shutting down a star player in the last week of the season. Shocking. Breaking news right here, folks. Never been done before. Uh, this club knew that they were going to be pandering to the league the next night about the Department of Player Safety and and all this, so what better way to, to lead by example than, uh, oh, yeah, the guy that we're going to complain about, yeah, he's he's done for the season. And by that, by that logic, uh, yeah, Zach Hyman's been out for the season uh, seven times over at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I, look, I, I, I hope Artemi Panarin is healthy, but the dude got up right away after this play, uh, he's not lying in a hospital bed somewhere. He, yeah, he's probably got a sore shoulder, and he probably would rather it not have happened. But um, that's speculation on my part, and I'll own it when he comes out with a fractured skull or some shit. So, uh, but until then, like, just spare me, Rangers fans. I, 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 I do not feel bad for you in, in that regard. But, um. 
Well, like, it's up to you. Like, I, I, I think it was the same fucking play. It's just that Sidney Crosby wasn't big enough to do any damage. But, but yeah, and it, and it's, uh, like, here, going back to the Tom Wilson thing, again, like, I really don't want to make it sound like I'm defending Tom Wilson. I need to make it clear. I don't hate anyone more in the league than Tom Wilson. I hate him. Fuck him. But um, also, Sidney Crosby has been kind of doing some fucked up stuff for a long time, and he just he's five foot ten and, and one hundred and eighty pounds. Well, sorry, he's two hundred and ten pounds, but most of that is in his legs. Uh, so yeah, like this is like Sidney Crosby also just snaps sometimes. Like he has a fucking huge temper. We all know that by now. Luckily, he's never been uh, he's never completely snapped and done anything like super crazy or anything like that, but. Yeah, he, again, he just snapped in that moment. Uh, it was Travis Konechny, by the way, who's also an insanely annoying guy to play against and also probably was under his skin prior to the moment. Uh, w- when I was watching it, though, I thought it was crazy because at first I thought it was Kevin Hayes. And I'm like, how the fuck is he keeping Kevin Hayes down? Who's <laughs> like 6'5", 230. Yeah. I'm like, that's crazy, man. And then I realized Konechny, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like- no, I don't know. That wasn't, uh, again... Like, I I thought you could have given him a game. You could have given Wilson uh, a game for the Buchnevich thing. So because it's Wilson, like, you could have given him more if you wanted to, whatever. But, like, um, you know, like, I thought they were both things that could have gotten a game. I'm fine with a fine on both the Wilson and Buchnevich incident and the Crosby-Konechny incident. I didn't think that those were either, you know, instances where... It, it was insanely fucked up or anything like that. Yeah, but I, I, I guess my point is is that it wasn't fucked up because Sidney Crosby is not as strong and big as Tom Wilson. Like, like there's definitely something for controlling your own strength and, and knowing when to stop, but, like, it's it's another thing. Like, like Zdeo Chara would have his name etched on the marble wall of the NHL's, uh, you know, bursary fund if if every time that he was big he got suspended it just doesn't happen because we've all accepted that yeah he's big and sometimes when he's big shitty things happen but that's not really his fault and by all accounts he's done a really good job to not be like too over the edge about it but he still does do stuff sometimes right like, yeah right it's just the same guy who's got a stanchion named after him in montreal so yeah it goes back to like like in, in minor hockey, for example, right? Like, if, if you learn to body check, I'm not saying that you learn to slam dudes to the ice, but if you learn to hit in novice when everybody's the same fucking size, that's cool. But five years later, when some kids are six foot tall and other kids are four foot three and they still hit the same way, yeah, yeah the guy that's six foot tall is probably going to do a lot more fucking damage to the 80 pound kid than the 80 pound kid is going to do to the other 80 pound kid. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to excuse it. It's just like, we have to understand that, uh, there's, there's some science involved here and, and, and mass is a, is a thing that exists and, and, and yada, yada, but I digress, I suppose. Mm-hmm. That leads us to the Rangers statement the next morning, uh, when, the $5,000 fine comes down for Tom Wilson uh, for his actions against Pavel Buchnevich. Uh, the Rangers, um, not historically great with uh, their timing on statements, but uh, they were sure to get this one out promptly, 9 a.m. on the desk. And 
were incensed at the uh, reaction from the Department of Player Safety and George Peros ex- explicitly calling for his uh, removal from the position. Um, so I guess, Brutes, let's let's bunch this together a little bit. Um, what did you think about the Rangers' statement and should George Peros be removed? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, uh, um, look, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the, the fine and everything like that afterwards. The statement itself, um, I, I, I kind of thought it rocked, to be honest with you. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's, uh, that's ballsy. And if you want to say it, go ahead. And, um, to your question, do I think George Perro should be removed? Rangers are making a lot of a lot of points that I that I agree with. I don't think George Paris very good at his job. Um, this is the same guy who I couldn't find record of it. I for some reason I know it's out there though. Who 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 made a comment one time about how he doesn't believe in one game suspensions? And to me that like that was when he lost me, and that was like the first couple months. Like that was like holy fuck. Um, you know, didn't make much sense to me, and so. Uh, I thought the statement was cool. I thought that the the Rangers probably had every right to say something like that, whether or not that they were prepared to deal with possible consequences, I, I think is another discussion. But um, whatever. Like, I don't know. It was It's a fucked up thing to say, but I also kind of agreed with what they were saying because I don't think George Peros is very good at his job. And I, I, think, I, I think the larger discussion here that we may or may not get to is just that I do think it is a little weird. The people that they continually put in place to do that job. And George Peros takes the cake for like the weirdest choice and always did. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like George Peros. I don't think he does a very good job. Uh, I also think that he is sort of piggybacking on the foundation that was laid for him. So it's not like 100% Mm. his fault that everything is maybe not run all that well. But uh, I don't think he's very good at his job either. So, hmm. Well, in Stefan Quintel's final year as the head of the Department of Player Safety, he handed out 56 games worth of suspensions. Did you know that? 56 games. $37,800 worth of fines. Uh, George Peros, who publicly announced that he wanted to uh, increase all of these things uh, his first year stepping in in 2017, handed out 75 uh, game is worth of suspensions and uh, ninety three thousand dollars worth of fines. So, uh, if you guys think George Peros is bad, I got bad news for you because the the guy before him, ah, not too good. The guy before him, well, he tried to just hand out a, a bunch of long suspensions, and then well, uh, the league ended up having to fight arbitrators on that, and then the long suspensions turned into short suspensions, and that didn't work either. So. <sighs> That's my long-winded way of saying that it's been a lot fucking worse until George Peros came along. Look, I don't think he's perfect at the job. I think the job can be done a lot better, but it's the best it's been done to this point. And, yeah, maybe the next guy is going to be better than him. So this could be the time to turn the reins over to the next guy and, and, and see what someone else could do with the position. But there's not, like, a... A history of, of, of work or a body of work that's been established that we can point to and say, gee, George Peros, we sure wish you were more like this because it doesn't exist. I'm, I'm sorry to inform anyone at home that thinks that it, it used to be, you know, better prior, but um, 
I, I thought the Rangers statement was, I don't know, confusing at best. Like, I get it. Like, you're, you're pissed off and, and your guy got hurt and you want to yell and you want to slam your fists on the desk and, 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 and tattle on the guy that hurt you. But that's probably best done in, in, in closed doors as far as I'm concerned. Like, you're the New York Rangers. You've got a lot of pull. Just call up Gary Bettman. Have have a conversation with Gary Bettman. Explain your frustrations to him. Um, try to try to figure out maybe some some common ground. Try to come to an understanding of, of where this took place. Don't wring out your dirty laundry in front of the media, in front of the public, and and, and try to oust a guy and, and 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 cost a man his job. I I don't care. I don't care how bad a job he is doing or how bad a job you think he's doing. That's just not the professional way to handle things. So. Um, I, I, I thought it was pretty childish of the Rangers to come out and make that statement, and um, clearly it's it's not going to fucking do anything, and it's not like 12 other teams jumped up and said, yeah, hey, we do have a problem with George Peros too. Uh, it It's going to be swept under the rug, and I, I, I think at most we remember this as uh, that weird thing that happened to the New York Rangers at the end of the, the COVID season around the same time as as all these other events, but yeah, I mean, uh, you, you would hope that it maybe at least gets some sort of a conversation going behind closed doors. Uh, because I do think that, you know, we need to, uh, uh, this is about as, as heavy as a philosophical statement as I can make about hockey. Uh, we need to pretty much overhaul the way that the game's played, I think to some degree. And, um, there, there's some conversations to be had. And I think one of the more important ones is, player safety because i think uh uh, i was listening to all these old nhlers go on tv today and talk about how the game is uh, more safe than it's ever been and i i don't agree with that at all um but i think at some point you know there needs to be some discussions had to to kind of get things back on the same page i think is the big thing because the game is uh, less consistent probably than it's ever been in terms of the way it's refed, in terms of the way that the player discipline's handed out. Um, it's just a, it's just a mess, and it's faster than it's ever been. But my point is that, you know, I, I I'm not sure that the way that everything's structured now is is working really, and I I'm hoping that perhaps that brings attention to it. To your point about teams not jumping up and and saying anything, like you're, you're right, like obviously no one. Uh, no one else really from within the league even anonymously said anything, but you know, what, what are the Arizona coyotes going to do? Are they going to come out and and say the same thing? Like they don't have $250,000. Like, you know what I mean? Like what the fuck, who, like the the fact that the Rangers do it again, goes back to the old conversation, $250,000 to James Dolan compared to half the other owners in the league, a little different to him. He, he, you know what I mean? He probably wrote the check and then fucking lit a cigar and uh sorry lit the check on fire and then lit a cigar with that check and then wrote another check uh he doesn't care so i mean whatever but like i you know you're you're not wrong to say that it is very uh pissy pissy and bitchy and moany but i do think that it perhaps does some valuable things maybe it does maybe it doesn't i don't know it it does valuable things just because it is the new york rangers and and they are the most profitable team in in the league so i'm not saying it's it's without wait like there there is something there but like 
yeah, the Arizona Coyotes, yeah, I don't expect the poorest team in the league to step up and do something about it, but like, that's yeah, one of 32. So yeah, the richest team did it. Maybe let's, let's talk to the 10th richest team and, and see what their opinion is. And, right. and maybe we can, we can go from there, but here's, here's the thing though, right? Like say you're the Toronto Maple Leafs and say like Larry Tannenbaum goes and is like, you guys want to, you guys want to do this? Everyone else is going to be like, what are you fucking insane? Have you, have you seen the way our games get refed? Why the fuck would we do that right now? We don't need any more attention. Maybe we'll call, you know what I mean, the Rangers and call the league and be like, yeah, we think this too. You're not going to fucking publicly shame George Peros on Twitter though. Why do you need that attention? You don't need yeah. to do that. So you're right. Like it is, it is, it was a dumb thing to do, but also I don't, I don't completely hate it, I guess is what I'm yeah. getting at. Uh, the next day that leads to the Rangers, uh, firing president John Davidson and GM Jeff Gordon, um, ahead of their game, their rematch Wednesday night with the Washington Capitals. Um, but there's been some speculation that, uh, these two gentlemen wanted to distance themselves from the statement that was put up by the Rangers the day before. Um, but like, there's no way this is related to the Tom Wilson thing, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Well, (laughs) I mean, like, it doesn't make any sense. But you know what also doesn't make any sense? The move alone. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh... The timing is weird. Like, it's not to spew conspiracy theories, but it is like, you know, everyone's first reaction was kind of like, maybe, like, maybe there was a conversation with the whole organization about, do you want to do something like this? And it brought up a whole bunch of other dirty laundry and it turned into this big thing, and maybe JD and Jeff Gordon told James Dolan, you know, where to go and how to get there. And James Dolan said, "Well, you know what? We didn't make the playoffs this year. Fuck them anyway. Like, I, you know what I mean? I kind of don't like them. Like, you know, if we're gonna have the conversation, James Dolan's a fucking idiot. And uh, so, like, you know what I mean? For him to just like get all mad at this the other night and probably storm out of the arena and go back to his fucking Batman lair with fucking uh, uh, Michael Caine there and he's putting on his fucking suit and everything like that, saying like, oh, I'm going to fucking kill everyone and all this stuff, like turning into evil Batman is what he is. And then Michael Caine's like, oh, no, no, you don't want to be the man who, who uh, watches the world burn or makes the world burn. You know, you just want to... You're, you're supposed to be the guy who, who creates good and does good and then instead of doing good, he fired Jeff Gordon and John Davidson. Um, Commissioner Jeff Gordon. That's right. <laughs> Never liked that commissioner anyway, right? Yeah. So, uh, like, I, 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 there might be something to it where it's just like this maybe was a relationship that wasn't perfect and maybe there was a lot of conversations that happened on Monday night and Tuesday morning that uh, James Dolan wasn't happy with and and he may have made an, a knee-jerk reaction like there were people who said that this was going to happen either way but most of those people were close to the Rangers organization everyone who wasn't was like yeah this is fucking weird like it doesn't really make any sense and uh, myself on the outside looking in uh, the horrible ho- horrible move it's a horrible move hmm. so um, yeah I, I it's weird. Do, are they related? I, I'm not convinced that they're not, even even though the Rangers say they're not. Like, like it, it's one of those things where everyone was like, oh, they're not related. We should listen to the Rangers on that. The same day that the Rangers literally were just like, ah, oh, fuck George Peros and fuck the league and fuck all this shit. Like, I don't know if the Rangers are thinking perfectly sound right now. 
and now we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt? Fuck off. Like, this guy's nuts. What are you talking about? He's a crazy owner. He's insane. Every, like, I know I say that about every owner in the league. Everyone needs to understand all billionaires are fucking insane. You have to be out of your goddamn mind to have that amount of money. You have to be. Uh, I, I, I see no correlation here. Like, I think it's just poor timing. Um, the fact of the matter is, like, the, the Rangers went into that game Monday night against the Washington Capitals where if, if they won and, you know, and the Bruins and Islanders lost, like, there was, you know, there we're still talking about maybe a bit of a playoff race here. Uh, everything felt fell the wrong way. The Rangers lost. The Bruins won. They clinched. The Islanders won. Um, they were a win away from clinching, which they've since done. Uh, I, I think this is entirely a team that realizes that, okay, we have now been officially eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, we're going to make a move. We'd rather make it now than, than wait till the off season and, and leave, you know, Chris jury without any chance of getting himself prepared for a draft and expansion draft at that. Yeah. But that being said, like I, I, I find it a little weird that we, we waited until there's three games left in the COVID shortened season uh, for a team that was playing in the toughest division by all accounts uh, to make this move. Like if, if this was the move you're going to make, that's fine. It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense because Jeff Gordon has by all accounts done pretty well. John Davidson is a respected guy in the league. Um, and maybe they don't get along with James Nolan. And then, and that's, right. those are you know things that we don't know and we can't touch on, but, well, and, and to your point too, right? Like the just, one, the one narrative that came out was people just being like, <clears throat> "Well, I don't understand why." Like, if they're, uh, if this was a move that was coming anyway, like, why do it in the middle of all this stuff? Why not wait till next week to do it? Like, yeah, if if you're a guy who uh, hosts events and you hire a coat check guy, and uh, two thirds of the way through his shift, you notice the coat check guy is going into all the coats and the purses and stealing money out of everyone, and just, and then you're like. Well, let's let him finish his shift. No, you fucking get him out of there. If he can't do his job and he's a fucking idiot and you wanted to hire, fire these guys anyway, you fire him whenever. So maybe they were going to fire him Tuesday or Wednesday anyway. But it's very weird to see them get fired like right at the tail end of a season. And my point also is just that uh, Jeff Gordon is a guy that I consider to be like a top, at least a top 10 GM in the league. I don't know if I'd put him top five because, yeah, there are some issues with the Rangers roster, but it's nothing that I thought he'd get fired over, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, like I said, I, I think it's just coincidental bad timing on, on the Rangers part here, but... Alright, and, and okay, so that, that brings us to uh, Rangers Capitals 2.0. Game game 2, the rematch. Wednesday night, Tom Wilson in the lineup, obviously not suspended. Um... A lot of talk about uh, what was going to take place, what was going to transpire. Um, and uh, what transpired was 141 penalty minutes combined between the, the two teams and uh, six fights in the first five minutes. Uh, a line brawl off the opening face-off. Tom Wilson getting jumped by Brennan Smith. Uh, I think the Capitals won again. I don't know if that matters in the standings at all, but they, they, they did do that. Tom Oshie did a thing. Or not Tom Oshie, sorry, TJ Oshie did a thing. Um, but no one seems to care because uh, all we want to talk about is 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 the fighting and, and the, the goonery and the, the, the Donnybrooks and, and what have you. So um, did you catch any of that, uh, that game two, uh, perchance, uh, there, Brutes? Oh, yeah, I watched the first period and I uh, 
turned it off after the first intermission when I realized that uh, that was one of the worst periods of hockey I've ever watched in my life. So I uh, I bailed for sure, and then I missed the good part, uh, which was the Oshi thing. So yeah, I watched it. I don't know it uh, it it was it was. Let's be honest. It was kind of anticlimactic in a way, right? Like I, I don't know what I really thought was going to happen. That was going to be all that satisfying. Like I don't know who was going to feed Tom Wilson his lunch at Center Ice. You know what I mean? That was never going to happen. So um, you know, like it, it was a terrible hockey game, and uh, yeah, I, I, I saw the first period. Okay, like it's one of those. Uh... One of those things, like, and I, I realized, like, I, I watched hockey in the late '90s and the early 2000s, and cheered for guys like Darcy Tucker and Ty Domi and Shane Corson. My favorite player, fuck it, it's it's Gary Roberts. Like, the, these are not angels. These <laughs> these are not people that you uh, you necessarily want to want to get into it with on the ice. But um, I I don't know. Like, I thought it was pretty fucking ridiculous. Like, the game is 60 minutes. The game ends. The game's over. I realize asking human beings to try to leave emotions on the field uh, after 48 hours is a lot to ask. But human beings are fucking ridiculous. They're they're stupid and they don't make any sense. So, uh, of course, something dumb was going to happen. Um... The worst of, 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 of this was all of the people online that were complaining, well, if Tom Wilson was suspended, this wouldn't happen. That's kind of weird, because there was five fights that didn't involve Tom Wilson. So, uh, that that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, that's that's not true. Mm-hmm. No, because, like, the whole thing, too, with, like, yeah. going back to the... the I mean, because this, this one pissed me off, too, was, like, everyone being all upset last week when uh, Alex Adler fought uh Wayne Simmons and everyone was all like uh oh that's how's that fair to Edler well because he almost broke Zach Hyman's leg and so he doesn't have to fight but he's gonna he's gonna get run if he doesn't fight like they're gonna try to take him out too like that's just kind of how the game works unfortunately and uh Edler figured it was smarter for him to just get into a fight with Wayne Simmons and maybe lose to a guy that he's uh bigger than uh, rather than, uh, you know, get his Achilles tendon cut or something fucked up. You know what I mean? So, uh, like... Was Matt Cook playing that night? Exactly. Uh, yeah, well, fuck. And then, uh, so that whole incident was, like, that's how that went. And everyone online was just kind of like, well, why does, Ed- uh, why does Edler have to fight him? And it's like, well, because if Edler didn't, too, someone else might have got hurt, right? Like, they wanted they wanted Edler. And if Wilson wasn't in yeah. the lineup, then that would almost be worse because the Rangers are out for blood and they're mad and they want, you know what I mean? They want to fight Tom Wilson. They want to squash this. They want to get this over with. I hate that we're having this conversation because I think all of this is the dumbest fucking shit ever. But like, that is how these people think. That is how the game works, unfortunately, is that, you know, if Tom Wilson were not there, then Ovechkin might have got hit from behind. Like, if Tom Wilson got suspended, the Capitals may as well scratch their top line because the Rangers are just going to fuck around, right? And, um, you know, so that's kind of the whole thing. Is Tom Wilson, if Tom Wilson's suspended, does this get prevented? No, I think if Tom Wilson's not there, it's worse. So, uh, like, that's the shitty part, right? Is like having enforcers kind of keeps things from getting too fucked up. Uh, even though they're the ones who do the majority of the fucked up things. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was a piss poor reaction from the Rangers, uh, akin to a toddler not getting a new toy from the grocery store when they go out. Like, um, you you got a problem with Tom Wilson? That's fine. You know, like go go out there and 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 fight Tom Wilson. You know what Tom Wilson did? Uh, he went out there and he fought on his first shift, and that probably should have been the end of it. Like, he did something wrong. They didn't like it. He went out, he fought, he paid for it. That's great. But the Rangers decided that they had to do this whole, like, we're not soft uh, bullshit that uh, kind of came out of nowhere, which, like, I guess explains why nobody fought Zidane Chara that night. But uh, I digress. Like, it was really fucking bizarre to see all these guys get out there. Here's the problem, James. Uh, if the Rangers weren't soft, wouldn't that have just all got settled on Monday night? Yeah, well, with, no, well, over half do anything a game, about it. That's why it all happened. Over, over half a game to be played uh, on Monday night, and and nothing happens. No, nobody steps up for Artemi Panarin at that point. That's interesting. That's kind of soft, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, I, I thought the Rangers were once again just acting like little crybaby. Uh, you know, uh, I can't think of a safe word to say, uh, but like, uh, it was it was a a very poor reaction from the New York Rangers uh, responding to the events from Monday, especially for a team that I, I I I believe going into Wednesday night they mathematically could have still clinched a playoff spot, but that's that's that ship has sailed, uh, as they say in the nautical world. Um, yeah, this, this whole thing is ridiculous. Like I said, uh, six fights in the first five minutes. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich, uh the the man uh, at the beginning of this entire thing, the, the the reason we had a Tom Wilson suspension in the first place, um, runs down and and takes an attempt at dental work at uh, Anthony Mantha, and uh, he has received a, a one game suspension for high sticking, which. I guess if you want to call that high sticking, uh, head-on-head collision could be called a fender bender, I suppose, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But Yeah, uh, the, the, the Buchnevich thing, uh, I'll get your intake on that, I, I guess, uh, before I dive into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of annoyed uh, that it was a one-game suspension because that same hit has gotten uh, a lot more than that for a lot less reasons. And that where's that's where I go back to the whole I don't like George Peros is because I think there's no fucking consistency whatsoever to how or why he's making some of these decisions. The Buchnevich thing for me like like yeah, like uh, of course you're the guy who uh got screwed over on Monday night in a way, right? Like like I get that, you know, this is kind of how it started. Maybe you're a little frustrated by that, or maybe you're a lot frustrated by that, but this was late. This was later in the game kind of thing. Like this was sort of one of those things where, you know, Mantha's skating around and, and, you know, he's slashing you and hacking you. And I'm sorry, but if a couple little slashes make you react that way, you're another guy that maybe needs to fucking, uh, get sent to Sean Avery, uh, anger management camp in Malibu for 30 days with Tom Wilson. You guys can sit poolside and hash out your issues there with a fucking pina colada with you. Like, I, I don't know what to tell you. If a couple little slashes that I wouldn't have even noticed uh, is enough to send you over the edge 
uh, you also need to to work on some stuff, I think, because, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I have never in in my life playing hockey ever purposely brought my stick that high with two hands on it, ever. It just, why would I ever bring a stick around a guy's head? What is the, what am I trying to do there? Why, why would that ever be a thing? I never, I never got high sticking penalties really. Like I never, I know how to control that shit. He's in the NHL. I don't know how that, that was a reaction. Like he's a grown ass man. And this was his fucking reaction. And I'm talking about when I was 15 and I used to fucking do this stuff and I never reacted that way. So I don't really understand how uh, Booch and Everage can't really like, you know, keep it in his pants there sort of thing like that. It was just totally unnecessary uh for me based on precedence of uh, incidents we've seen in the past of that uh, it's at least two or three games it's at least two or three games so i think one soft and i i uh i i think there's no place for it as much as there was no place for the initial incident anyway but uh that is actually a written rule you can't do that and there's actually precedence for that suspension so that's an easy one like that easily should have been more than that and it wasn't Matt Neskinen got one game uh, in the playoffs for a less violent cross-check uh, on Brendan Gallagher uh, that resulted in Gallagher's jaw being broken. <clears throat> uh, that's a playoff game, so that's equivalent of, like, uh, I don't know, four or five Nazem Kadri games. So uh, Pavel Puchnevis should have been out for the rest of the season, as far as I'm concerned, by the math on that one. Um, the Buchnevich thing, I, I'll, I'll say it, I don't give a shit. If you agree with me, if you don't agree with me, uh, that goes for uh, yourself, Brutes, or anyone listening at home. Uh, that was the worst thing that I've seen this year. Uh, that, that that was the most uh, violent, uh, bullshit play in a hockey game that I've seen this season. Worse than anything that Tom Wilson has done in his career, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you have what I would call a weapon in your hands when you're playing the game of hockey and the only reason it's not a weapon is because you use it to score points in the sport you play if you use that weapon for literally anything else i have like zero time for you uh like as far as i'm concerned like slashing is a a penalty that should be called uh, far more frequently and should carry a, a far higher, um, you know, time in the box. Like, like to me, slashing should be five minutes and the spear should be uh, a couple games. Never mind the spear getting five and the slash getting two. Um, I, 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 I don't know why people think that this was a, a understandable reaction from Pavel Buchnevich. I've seen a lot of that. Well, you know, he got punched on Monday, so he's... No. I'm I'm sorry... I don't care how pissed off you are. I don't. I don't care what happened to you on Monday. You don't get to get up and accost a guy with a weapon in your hands. It's ridiculous. Yeah, just just fight him. Just fight, man. Sure, you guys are roughly the same size. Like if you if you're that mad at him, fight him. Why do you why you gotta try which to is, break which, his jaw? Which is what Mantha wanted. So like, great. Yeah, cool. That's great. You're you're by, you guys are both down to fight, but I'm gonna beat you in the head with uh you know a, a weapon. As far as I'm concerned, it, it it's total bullshit. Um, one game is a joke. Um, I I I I realize I just defended the whole uh, 
George Peros has done better at his job than the last two guys uh, take, but this is the one today where I had my notes ready to go, and then the the sentencing came down, and uh, yeah, wow, I uh, I don't get it. Um, I watched Nazem Kadri miss an entire playoff series because he hit a guy from behind awkwardly, and uh, this this gets one game. I don't, I don't, I don't get but it. But here's what you don't understand, James, is uh, it's part of the code, right? So Buchnevich is the guy who got hurt, so he's allowed to kind of get away with certain things. You know, it's an eye for an eye. It's part of the part of the code. Sure. And, and I'm okay with I'm what okay with the code. code? I'm okay with eye for an eye. The code. Fuck the code. No, Who fucking I, cares about no. the code. Fuck the code. I, 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 whole, I wholeheartedly Talk else, even. I'm fucking I, sick of talking about it. I wholeheartedly disagree with you, Brutes. I, I I respect the code. I think the code has a place because, as you mentioned, if we had enforcers, maybe this shit doesn't happen. But the code is eye for eye. The code doesn't state, "Oh, I got I got my back of my head hit because I went to the front of the net, and everybody that goes to the front of the net gets hit in the back of the head, so I get to crush a guy's jaw with my stick." with two hands. That's not how the code works. Uh, I think there's some, some misinformation perhaps getting to Mr. Buchnevich on that one, but um, it's just a shame that we don't get round three because I'd be really curious to see what happened uh, uh, if if uh, Buchnevich had to play against the Capitals again this year, but the Rangers suck, so they're not making the playoffs, and I guess that's that. Um, I will make my prediction because obviously this is going to carry over into yes. next season. Uh, the Rangers this summer are going to sign Eric Goodbranson. Just feels like a Rangers move. They're going to do it. Good. Don't miss the playoffs again. I like that. <laughs> um, um, all right. I, I, I think that's enough on the, uh, <clears throat> Rangers capitals front. Uh, spent a lot of time talking with that more, more than two games, uh, warranted, uh, to say the least. So I think they're cutting into their time for next season. So, I think next year we'll just take, we'll take the year off talking about those two two franchises. Um, to to what might be more depressing news, uh, Jake Vertanen and I hate to group these two guys into the same category because obviously these are two different situations and 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 all the people involved deserve their their own time uh, and and attention to be uh, talked about. But Jake Vertanen and Patrick Berglund. Uh, both this week accused of uh, separate sexual allegations. Um, it's uh, let's start with the Vertanen stuff, I guess, because I was I was more uh, aware of it. Uh, uh, obviously, a, a woman came forward and 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 made these claims against him, and uh, the Vancouver Canucks were. You know, uh, rightfully prompt to remove him from the lineup and uh, take all the uh, uh, allotted time necessarily uh, to make sure that uh, they were uh, taking the proper steps to investigate uh, the claims, um, which uh, you could say was vastly different than the way uh, Patrick Berglund's uh, situation developed, where his his Swedish club, uh, the Brinus, I believe, is 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 the team he plays for. Uh, who were fighting for relegation? Um, you know they they kept him in the lineup and and they uh, they he he was uh, you know an important member of of their team throughout their their relegation stage and you know interviews were conducted uh, about his play and um, 
a very, very poor look uh, on the Swedish club, regardless of, of, of what uh, transpires with either of these two gentlemen and their uh, their conduct outside of the game of hockey. Uh, let's maybe start firstly with the Vertanen stuff. And, uh, if you know, it, it's early still. We don't have all the information, but if... If, if there is anything that you'd like to get out there in, 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 in regards to him or, or the Canucks uh, with this matter. I mean, like, I what I'll say is this, is I, I don't, uh, I never saw, and I still haven't, and it's because, from my understanding, is the Vertanen allegations came from a tweet that had since been deleted, um, not for any credibility reasons, just because the, the party in question didn't want... Um, uh, I guess things getting blown out of proportion or misunderstood or anything like that. And that's fine. Uh, so I can't really speak to the, to the situation itself. And I wouldn't, I normally would want it to be about the victim, but in this situation, uh, I don't want to say anything that's, that's false and, and anything speculate. So um, what I, what I do know and what I can say is in regards to Jake Vertanen is uh, this is a guy who, not just on the ice, but off the ice has been a polarizing figure for the Vancouver Canucks for a while. This is a guy who seemingly has off ice issues and has for a while. So it's not like you see it coming. It still comes as a surprise, but it was one of those things where you heard the news and it was just like, yeah, like things kind of seem to be just kind of adding up that way for Jake Vertanen and the Canucks, right? Like it's just kind of, uh, seems to be one thing after another. And then obviously if everything is in order here and everything is true, um, you know, not only the, the end of his career, but just, a really just a disastrous, uh, disastrous career, really. Like it just, it's, it's, uh, one thing after another with this guy. And so I, I obviously can't speak to the situation itself, but, uh, certainly seems like they'll be cutting ties with them pretty quickly if things turn out to be true. Turning to Patrick Berglund, um, again, I I gotta say, like, I, I don't know the whole story, I don't have all the information in front of me, but, like, it's it's gotta be pretty tough, regardless of, of the hockey club, to to hear these things, to have those allegations come out, and then make the decision to to move forward with having this guy in the lineup. Do you, do you think perhaps there's some some sort of behind closed door certainty where you know the club's going? We know that this isn't the case. Um, we're so sure that we're going to play him anyway because uh, that's how confident we are. Or is this uh, what you might call a colossal ball dropping? Uh, on all fronts where the the club is just going to kind of dis- dispute the facts and and turn the blind eye and 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 go ahead with business as usual perhaps yeah i mean with the Berglund thing um you know i know i know even really less about uh the actual specifics there like i re- i really don't know much if anything about it but um you know, Ber- Berglund's a guy who obviously had a pretty, you know, high-profile split from the Sabres 
uh, the last we saw him in the National Hockey League. And it's always been kind of weird that, you know, like people have kind of muttered here and there. It's just kind of weird you don't see Patrick Berglund get another shot in the NHL. And you kind of wonder about, um, you know, the split. The split just seemed so mysterious at the time. And you, you didn't really understand why. And, you know, something like this comes out and you have to kind of wonder, you know, what Patrick Berglund was involved in when he was in Buffalo. Uh, you kind of have to wonder what Patrick Berglund may or may not be involved in in Sweden, because again, like these allegations don't tend to come out of nowhere. Uh, there's got to be something that, you know, uh, sparks something like that usually. And, and at, at best case scenario, it's a, it's a misunderstanding. Uh, but that's rarely the case, right? It's, it's usually that this is what happened or there's something else sinister going on. Um, so yeah, I don't, uh, you know, it, it's, it's obviously not a great thing that the club, uh, keeps them in kind of thing, but I don't know that maybe the clubs in, in Sweden are held as held to the same standard as teams in the NHL. And therefore maybe they didn't think they needed to react to it either. I, I, I don't know. And I don't know how much of a precedence there is for that kind of stuff in the Swedish league, but, um, very bizarre to see, I think, that name come up for me just because uh, he's been an enigma for, for years now. And now you see something like that and, um, you know, it just adds a whole other level of what the hell's going on with this guy, really. Yeah, you know, you know what, you're, you're not wrong in, in terms of Patrick Berglund, the dude, and the, the kind of aura around him and, and, and what he brings, but... Boy, I, I gotta say, like as as a business, uh, you know, the the Swedish team, like, you know, like I said, Brinus here that he's playing for, you, you gotta hope anyway that they're making a, a decision that is gonna put themselves in the best light before they put, you know, the player in the best light. And I hope that's the case because, like, it would be a real shame beyond the fact of of the allegations that you know the 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 team finds itself in in such hot water where you know like at at that point you got to start you got to start talking or having the conversation at least about whether or not this team can even continue operations i think because that i think on the surface sounds maybe a little overboard but i think it's on par with everything that you know we're kind of looking at in terms of, of, of what the world in 2021 looks like. Yeah. I, I guess my point was that I don't know if, uh, I mean, they shouldn't be. And again, it's, it's not to, to say that it makes it right, but I don't know how much of uh, pro sports in Sweden are still operating the way of the nineties where it's just kind of like, ah, oh, boys will be boys, you know, like obviously that's not the right way to go about it. That's completely wrong. And it's, that's fucked up. But like, I don't know if maybe, there's there are no consequences for this team basically and and this is just kind of the status quo or you know if maybe you're right and they do know more and and there is a reason why they're they're continuing to keep them in the lineup kind of thing because you would think like you know if things end up being true the fact that you had Patrick Berglund on a championship roster is worse than uh taking Patrick Berglund off your roster and then losing in the playoffs because you didn't have Patrick Berglund. You know what I mean? Like that's a worse look yeah. for the team you would think, but um, I don't know. Yep. A hundred percent. 
Uh, we'll, we're going to close with some happy topics because uh, it's been a pretty shitty Tom Wilson filled episode uh, to this point. But uh, uh, a couple of big milestones that we wanted to touch on here at uh, Laced Up, and, and that would be uh, Andre Kopitar hitting a thousand points in his career. Uh, this is one of those. Um, this is one of those milestones where it's like you're not surprised to hear it until you hear that he's like only 33 years old that's how i took it anyway like i think we all knew i saw i saw that he hit a thousand points and i was like holy fuck he's already at a thousand points and then i looked at his wikipedia page i'm like wait he's fucking 33 (laughs) you know what i mean like i i assumed he was 31 and at 850 you know, but I guess he probably was at 850 when he was 31. So I guess the last, I guess time comes for us all is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He, he, it's so weird. Like this is one of the few guys where you could be like, ah, he hit a thousand points and you'd go, oh, that's really cool. Is he like 28 years old? Um, but at the same time, you know, you're thinking, borderline Hall of Fame player, which I, I guess we'll have that conversation, but, like, also, oh, by the way, he's 33, and you're going, like, no, he's 28 years old, but uh, here we are, uh, I, I suppose. Um, uh, a thousand points, uh, 1,124 games, uh, not not quite the type of guy that's going to put the puck in the net, definitely, you know, a two-time Selkie guy, Um maybe a defensive minded forward. He's got the two cups. Uh, he's got lady Bing and Kopitar at this point tracking to the hall of fame or is already there for you. Uh, for me, slam dunk, absolute slam dunk to me. It, it, he, he is a no doubter. He gets in almost regardless of the class. It, he, he is for sure a hall of famer to me. Um, for all the reasons that you just laid out, like, and, and this is a guy who, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find it here as like, it, at least a multiple times in his career hit a wall in a season where the, where the Kings had nobody that could put the puck in the net. He was their only good player and only put a, and then he would put up like 55 points kind of thing, because he was playing in a defensive system with no line mates kind of thing. And then the next year they, they'd be like, well, you know, here's Alex Ayafalo. He's okay. And then be like, great. I'll score 90 points again. What the fuck? How do, how do you come up with that? How are you getting 90 points again? He, he is incredibly talented. Uh, I've watched him for the majority of his career pretty closely. And um, look, I don't, I don't want to make big claims on this episode, but I don't really know if I've, if I've made a big claim this week. So I guess I'll say it. Um, other than, highlight reels and notoriety he did most of the things that pavel datsuk did and so if we're gonna throw pavel datsuk in the hall of fame kopitar is easily in for me like they they are cut from the same cloth to me uh so do i think pavel datsuk's a slam dunker no i think kopitar's had a better career but uh for me that's kind of the comparable right if if one's going in to me kopitar is easily going in if datsuk's going in yeah you know it's 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 funny you say that because i've never thought of them in the same 
cloth, but they, you know, they both have the two cups. They both have uh, multi selkies. Datsuk's got a few more Lady Bings than than Kopitar does. He doesn't have the thousand points, but he played less games, and you know, he has shorter career, and um, he had the more consistent in terms of points. Like Datsuk, more consistent points wise, yeah, for sure. I'll give him that, but yeah. um, Datsuk also played on good Red Wings teams for basically the, the entirety of his career, whereas Kopitar played on horrible Kings teams for probably, well, not horrible, but bad Kings teams for close to half of his career, right? Like, they only really were good for six years, and he's played, I think, 14, right? Eight years. I'll give him eight years. Like, a little over half of his career, I'll say. They were good. And he was playing on bad team. Like, you know what I mean? Like when I look at a 60 point season from Kopitar, like, it's just like, yeah, yeah. All right. Like he's the only fucking guy who's really ever played on his line. (laughs) Who played with Kopitar? Well, Kopitar did. So, uh, just shy of a point per game this season. So, uh, stretch that over 82, you know, and we're talking about a, a, a big bounce back season than what he had the last couple of years. But, uh, I agree. I, I think Kopitar gets in for a couple reasons. You know, a the uh, the cups uh, with the Kings, which obviously are the only ones in franchise history, and uh, the Hall of Fame loves to get those guys in that are associated with one club and one club only. Uh, and then, like, I hate to say it, but like the Slovenia factor, where he's the only guy from the country to really have a presence in the game. I think that's gonna be a big part of what gets him in because I don't think he has the the statistical numbers on a Hall of Fame level like a thousand points is impressive but it's no longer that benchmark for Hall of Famers anymore we're, we're more looking at like the 12 1300 point mark for, for guys nowadays um, you know he's he's still a, a, a little while a little way away from 400 goals which is usually a staple for these guys to get in but he's again he's 33 years old like there's there's time to add to that total so like so. i think he's gonna get there too like that's the thing right it's like when he had that 52 point season a few years ago everyone's like oh man he, he's hit a wall like you know what i mean like ah yeah. kopitar and doughty suck now like how shitty is that and then the next year he had what like 97 points 92. or something like that it was like yeah. oh no he's <laughs> he's still really good um yep. you know like it, it's it, it's tough to say a guy is a product of what's going on around him and also make the argument that he's a good player but like he's a defense first guy playing on a defensive team with not a lot of offensive help and sometimes he's just not going to put up points i would say the same thing about datsuk right like i look at datsuk as a defensive center who happened to just be a absolute freak sometimes with the puck you know and therefore, yeah, he's going to get like 80 points in a season sometimes. It's just going to fucking happen. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Kopitar for sure for me, I think he gets to 400 goals. I think he easily gets to 1,100 points. And uh, I think by the time we're done talking here, um, you know, he, he could potentially even win another Selkie. Like, I wouldn't put that past him. And he is another guy. Like, you know, you don't want to make the ifs and buts argument with all these players. But if he didn't play at the same time where they were just handing Patrice Bergeron uh, – you know, Selkie's like they were candy, he probably would have another one or two of them, right? Like if Patrice Bergeron didn't exist, 
Uh, yeah, for sure. He's got another Selkie. There was, I can't remember what year. I know there was a year where I would have given it to him over Bergeron and Bergeron one. Bergeron's one too many for me, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. We'll get to that in a minute. Marc-Andre Fleury moves into third all-time and wins in the NHL with 490. Uh, he's got, uh, what is it, 24 on the season. Um, this is a pretty impressive mark, albeit a flawed stat, It, it is, is how I will put it. Uh, I suppose, because uh, I think, you know, 20 years ago, wins were, wow, that, that's a big, that's a big thing. And everyone looked at that. But I think today we can all admit that, yeah, if you just happen to be the goaltender on the Vegas Golden Knights, you're probably good for 20 wins this year, my guy. Um, but regardless, he's there. He's made that mark. He's ahead of everybody except for Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur. Uh, where where does Flurry fall uh, for you in in the grand scheme of goaltenders? I, I won't do the Hall of Fame talk like I did with Kopitar, but uh, obviously you and I grew up with the Waz and the Brodeurs and the Josephs and Belfours and whatever what have you. But w- where does Flurry kind of nestle in here? Flurry, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're like you're right. Like uh, wins wins aren't aren't the basis for success necessarily. Um, and you can make the argument that Flurry played on some very, very good teams and is a benefactor of that for sure. But, you know, like the, the way I look at goaltending for like for me, especially now in this current day and age where there seems to be less slam dunk guys that you could just play, you know, even 60 to 70% of the year now, like it seems like, Fifth, like it seems like your goalies have to split bend, uh, split the season. Like I look at it as, do do they give you a chance to win? Like you can be as good of a team as as you want, but do they give you a chance to win? And like, I I love the dude and I'm rooting for him. And I honestly, as much as I love Jack Campbell, I hope Freddie Anderson is the goalie on a Leafs playoff run. Like I just I hope he finds a way to bounce back, get back in the net, take the fucking net. And they go on a run with Freddie Anderson in that. I hope that happens. It's not going to happen, though, I don't think. And so, you know, what's the difference right now between Jack Campbell and Freddie Anderson? Well, not based on his Marley's game tonight, but... No. Tonight. And what's the difference between Jack Campbell and Freddie Anderson is Jack Campbell gives the Leafs a chance to win. That's what he does. They, they they feel confident with him in net, and they have a chance to win with him in net. Flurry gave the Penguins a chance to win every single night, and then they went forward and won the fucking game, right? Like, if they have a guy in net who doesn't give them that confidence and doesn't give them the chance to win and sometimes lets in those fluky goals, it's going to shatter the team a little bit, like we've seen with the Leafs and Anderson as of late. You can make the argument with almost any other goalie as soon as they lose it. Like, every goalie gets to that point where they just can't make those saves anymore. And Flurry just, ha- he's gotten to that point, but he's worked his way out of it. Went to Vegas. And again, I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights work if Flurry isn't solid those first, that first little bit that he's there. Like, I, I don't know if they build what they build and, and see themselves as contenders. 
And then who knows where they are now? Like we might be four years down the road and they're not a playoff team and they're still trying to fucking rebuild and things like that. Like they, they gave themselves the confidence. And I think it all kind of started with flurry. I think he was not the backbone of the, of the penguins at all, but it helped a lot for a lot of years, knowing they had a guy who at least would give him a chance to win. You look at his numbers. They're not great. Right, like 490 wins is fucking unbelievable. But like, what is he? He's a 913. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's not great. And for me, he's not a he is not a slam dunk Hall of Famer to me. But I'll give him a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Where it's like 490 wins. Yeah, like he 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 was a good goalie for a long time. Was he a great goalie? I don't know about that. But he gave him a chance to win. He helped these teams kind of you know keep some confidence, keep their mojo. And I'll give him credit for that all day because uh, I think he's super cool. Like I love the dude for sure. So uh, it's an awesome accomplishment and I'm, I'm very happy and honest to God shocked that he got there because uh, he's, it's been a rocky road for him a lot of times. His best save percentage as a goaltender in the NHL came with that, uh, first year Vegas team, 927. He's sitting at 926 this year. Uh, in terms of uh, really bad starts, he this is the, the best season he's had. He's only had three, less than 85% in terms of save percentage. Um, he's been pulled once in a game that he started for the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, it, it's it's really weird to think that he went from playing with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin to an expansion franchise and got better somehow. Like it's it, the mind does boggle. I, I will say that. Uh, I I think he absolute absolutely should have a Vesna at this point in his career. I don't understand why he doesn't. I I think that first year with Vegas especially. Uh, he, he should have one. Um, this is a guy that put up double digit shutouts in his career one year with the Penguins. Um, he had a 40 win season, two of them with the Penguins. Um, I, I think he is a slam dunk hall of famer. Um, but I, I do understand your pushback. It's, it's not... For me, it's. I think I've got the rose-colored glasses with the guy. He's a fantastic dude off the ice by all accounts, and uh, maybe I'm just rooting for him uh, in the big picture. But uh, I, I think he might go down as the greatest goalie to play the game and not win a Vesna at the end of the day. Um, he's 36. I can't imagine he's going to have some sort of Mike Smith, you know, season at 38 where we should be giving him Vesna votes, but uh, he's done a really good job of, of staying healthy and, you know, and, and, and being a, a factor through his career. So uh, hats off to him on an impressive accomplishment. And I will end by saying, uh, if not for a lockout and a half and COVID, uh, he would be past Patrick Waugh at this point in terms of wins. Um, and be solely in second place. So something something to con- to consider, I guess, in in the big picture. But all right, well that brings us to the uh, end of the year awards because we don't know when the end of the year is, and we don't want to miss it. So we're going to do it now because the NHL might, like I said, send out a 
text to all the playoffs teams uh, like it's the uh, like it's the movie with the 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 Christmas. I can't remember what what the, what the fuck is that film called? Uh, Christmas Vacation. Uh, no, oh no, uh, Home Alone. Seth Rogen. Die Hard. Oh, um, the night before. That's it. You the know, second time we've talked about it tonight. That's what I was going game. for, but I, I missed I missed the transition. So. The Nutcracker Ball, my guy. That's, oh, that's it. Yeah. You, you got it. That movie rocks. It does. Slaps. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in order of what I wrote down. Sure. Uh, only because I'm the host and I can't okay. see your order. Uh, so the Lady Bing end of your rewards, uh, your three finalists, sir. Uh, number one for me, Jacob Slavin. Number two, Valerie Nachushkin. Number three is William Carlson. Um, look, look, the, the whole award is uh, gentlemanly guys, and it's hard for me to really know what the hell goes on at ice level, right? So Jacob Slavin might insult uh, everyone's wives for all I know, but he doesn't take a lot of penalties, and he is one of the best, if not the best, defensive defensemen in the National Hockey League. So I'll give him a lot of credit, a lot of credit there. Like you know what I mean? Like I think he should have won last year. Uh, he's been on my ballot for years, and and he's like he's like a Mark Stone type for the Selkie for me, where it's just like he's almost perpetually going to be on my ballot unless he cross checks a dude in the jibs, I guess, because that's a thing now. So I give him credit there. Uh, Valerie Nichushkin, albeit not a great offensive forward, has a lot of numbers to back up the fact that he is one of the best defensive forwards in the league. That's been a narrative for years now. And I'll like I'll I'll embrace that. Like he there are a lot of reasons for me to believe that he's really good. When I watch him, I think he's a good player, plays at a high level. Uh last I checked, I think he had one minor penalty this year. And William Carlson. I think has two minor penalties this year and has like 38 points and is also one of the best defensive forwards in the league, like top 30 at least anyway. So uh, yeah, uh, those are my three. Uh, I have Nathan McKinnon third because uh, yeah, why not? Uh, number two, I have Jacob Slavin because of all the things you said. McKinnon and... would have been first if not for the helmet throwing incident. Am I right? Oh, yeah, true enough. I forgot about that. So maybe he's canceled. I can't remember. Uh, Slavin, too. And uh, Homer Pick, the guy has two regulation losses in his uh, season this year. He's not going to win the Vesna. He's not going to get anywhere close to the heart. But uh, he should get something. And he also taps the shin pads of opponents that get too close. So Jack Campbell <laughs> for me. Fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, Bill Masterton Award, sir, for mm-hmm. uh, dedication and perseverance. To the game. Um, well, I and I didn't I didn't mention it, and neither did you, and I don't know if you have them in front of me. But just for reference, my my mid season award ballot for my oh, Lady yes, Bing, for my Lady Bing would have been uh, I had Adam Fox one, Kirill Kaprizov two, and Anze Kopitar three. All three of which I would be fine if they also got nominated. Now they've just taken penalties since the last time we did this, really, and. Uh, even though I don't think that's necessarily why the award should be given, it unfortunately is. Do you have your mid-seasons? I do. I, I went Slavin 1, McKinnon 3, uh, sorry, McKinnon 2, and Petrangelo 3. So all I've done is just superimpose Jack Campbell on the world, I suppose. That's fine. I'm good with that. I, I like that. Um, for my for my Masterton, uh, my mid-season voting was... Um, my midseason voting was number one, Vinny Trocek, number two, uh, Nolan Patrick, number three, Mark Stahl. It's changed a bit for me. 
I don't know why I was trying to deny it at the midpoint of the season, but num- number one for me is Oscar Lindblom. Uh, number two for me is Vinny Trocek. And number three for me is Tyler Mott. I think I think the case for Lindblom and Trocek are obviously very clear. Lindblom with the whole cancer thing last year, it's unbelievable that he's basically played the whole season this year. You know, Vinny Trocek, no one really thought he was ever going to get back to being Vinny Trocek. And he's done that on a new team. And I think that's super impressive. Um, you know, if I think those are two really strong candidates. Tyler Mott for me is more so, um, I think, the idea that he's really trying to contribute a, an honest effort into mental health away from the game, I think is something to really be admired. I think he's doing a really, really good job with that. Um, you know, he's he's. it's not like I'm saying Robin Leonard doesn't. But I think with Mott, it's a constant conversation. And, and Leonard drifts in and out a little bit. And that's okay, too. Like, he doesn't need to be the fucking spokesperson for mental health in the NHL. Um, but Tyler Mott's kind of becoming that. And I have a lot of respect for that. I also think that Tyler Mott has worked incredibly hard to get where he is, is another thing, too, right? Like, he's a guy who was a fringe forward with Chicago, uh, barely got into games in Columbus, came to Vancouver, was a fringe forward there, and now he is a, like, they're not great, but, like, he is a slam-dunk middle six forward for them. He's, for sure, a, a great bottom six forward in the National Hockey League, and I think uh, he's worked very hard to get there, both on and off the ice, and I think it's really impressive. So I, I went Tyler Mott, three. Uh, for midseason, I went Drew Doughty, one, Mark andre Fleury, two, and uh, whoever gets COVID and comes back better for three. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, my, my finalists for this award were uh, third, Patrick Marlowe for a a la Yarmer Yager type 2016 season where he's just old and probably shouldn't be able to <laughs> dedicate his body to this game anymore, but he, he, he does. Uh, two, Kevin Miller of the Boston Bruins. And number one, Oscar Lindblom from the Philadelphia Flyers, who I think both of us just kind of said, well, he was nominated last year, so why would he get nominated this year? But yeah, uh, yeah and cancer. The, uh, yeah, and then you think about it, and it's like, yeah, it's crazy this guy's like back in the NHL, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's Pretty the same much. shit. It's the same shit where like, and people might be too young for this, like, there was a point in Phil Kessel's, I think it was his rookie season, he just left for like a month to literally have a testicle removed because of, yep. he had cancer. And then he just came back and he's like, yeah, I'm back. And was fucking scoring goals. And it was like, what the fuck? Like Lindblom, very similar thing where it's like, oh, he's just back now. Like he's just, he's just in the league again. Like it's crazy. Good for him. As Phil would say, good for you, Randy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. The Vesna trophy, sir. Uh, Vesna Trophy, the first two are slam dunks. The third one I had to think long and hard about. Um, it's Vasilevsky one for me. Uh, it's Marc-Andre Fleury two for me. And I went UC Soros at three, mostly because I don't think Nashville's in... Well, I, I, it's not that I don't think. I know for a fact Nashville's not in that spot without UC Soros because uh, there's not much else keeping them there. Uh, other than the fact that this guy stands on his fucking head every night. I almost went Hellebuck 3 just because his underlying numbers are, like, insane. But he also, like, he's got a 9-12 and, and you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It, it might be a bit of a cop-out for me to look at just surface-level numbers as, like, the tiebreaker there. But 
Uh, he has really good underlying numbers. Like his expected goals uh, uh, saved above average is is pretty high considering he's a nine twelve, right? Like he he's been good this year. He just uh, he doesn't have the raw numbers to do it for me. And um, UC Saros can't take anything away from him. He's been great. So uh, I went Vasilevsky one, Flurry two, Kakinen three for the midseason. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. Uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll give my midseason after. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. You didn't. Uh, yeah. No, sorry. Uh, Vasilevsky, Flurry, Kakinen for midseason. I went Vasilevsky one, Flurry two, Hellebuck three for my uh, final. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, yeah, for every reason I said, I'm good with that too. My midseason was also Vasilevsky, Flurry one, two. Uh, I had Semyon Varlamov three. For the record, I would have Varlamov like five or six right now. He's been great. I yeah. just, I, I, the team hasn't the pro. Yeah. The problem for Varlamov is like all the goalies that have come before him where it's just like, yeah. Like, are they really good or like, you know what I mean? Are they, are they like a really goalie friendly team or are their goalies always really good? Because like, as much as I always was like, well, he's a product of the system. Like, I also think Thomas Grice is a very good goaltender. I never used to. And, like, the more I've looked at underlying numbers and shit like that, it's, like, it's hard to take anything away from him. He honestly might be one of the ten best goalies in the league at this point. And then also I think Robin Leonard is, like, a slam dunk top ten goalie. He just happens to play on a team that has Mark andre Fleury on it. <laughs> and he was injured half the year. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – it's uh, – yeah, I don't know. I but I, Varlamov lost a few points still uh, for that reason for me, even though even though I didn't want to, I guess. But uh, the Selkie Trophy, uh, sir. Uh, my mid seasons were I had Barkov one, Joel Erickson Eck two, and Mark Stone three. Uh, at the end of the year, I have Alexander Barkov one by a considerable margin. Patrice Bergeron, number two, which is the first time I have ever done that because this is the first time uh, in a while where I think he's been a top th- uh, three defensive forward in the league. And uh, Mark Stone is three because I could have gone Joel Eriksson Ek, but I wanted to go with a winger. Uh, my midseason was Mark Stone one, Kopitar two, Austin Matthews three. I ended up with uh, Mark Stone 1, because we're due, uh, Joel <laughs> Eriksson Ek 2, and Anze Kopitar 3. Wow. Why no Barkov for you? Oh, yeah. he's uh, He gets this really weird, like, defensive specialist, uh, you know, talk um, um, amongst hockey people. And then you, like, look into the numbers, and it's like, yeah, not so much. Like it's it's just like it's good. It's just like it's not as high as other Selkie winners have been. I suppose is is the polite way of saying it. I guess. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to pull all the numbers back up uh, at this stage. But it was one of those things where, like, the more I went into it, it was like I would I would I would go to natural stat trick and I'd look at everything and it's like. Yeah, he's yeah, he probably is like the best, maybe like he's up there kind of thing. And then you'd go to like, uh, well, I mean, I know you don't, so you're not privy to these numbers, but like I subscribe to Corey Schneider's stuff, shut down line on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, so I pay for his Patreon, and like there's a bunch of different metrics he's got. And I was looking at it, and it's like every single one, it's like Barkov is, if not the best, it's like top three for like everything. And it just, I just kept going and going with Barkov, and it's like, 
yeah, he's been fucking awesome, and and he puts up a lot of points. So, like, I, I mean, I've never really been in his corner before for this award, but for me this year, he's a he's a slam dunk. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't dislike the guy as as a pick. I just I, I like these three guys better. So that's that's fair. They're all good picks. So uh, the uh, Jack Adams Trophy, sir, named for uh, the namesake of Fort William, Ontario. Yeah, who isn't? Am I right? Uh, my mid-season award picks for the Jack Adams. I went, uh, where is it? I went Rod Brindamore one, Craig Berube two. Oof. And, uh, John Cooper three. Yeah. Craig, Craig Berube. Eh? Uh, yes. Ah, it's Sharube. changed significantly for me. I think I have all three different now. Uh, my number one is Joel Quenville. My number two is Dean Evison. And my number three is Peter Laviolette. I had probably, like, I thought real hard Brindamore over Laviolette, like, who did I want to go with? And I just, uh, it's just just by a small margin for me. I'm a little more impressed with Laviolette, but it it was close. Uh, My midseason, I went uh, Dean Evison 1, Paul Maurice 2, Sheldon Keefe 3. For my final uh, rankings, I went Sheldon Keefe 3, Joel Quinville second and Dean Evison one. I think Joel Quinville's done a hell of a job in Florida, but I, I think collectively we all thought that Minnesota Wild were going to be a lot worse than where they're at. And I know that goes a long way with the voting committee and uh, especially for a rookie coach like Dean Evison. I, th- I think it's been a masterful job there. So uh, if he doesn't get it, I'll be pretty surprised, but Joel, not a bad pick. I was going to say, I, I was shocked too when I was looking up. Uh, just after I did mine, I was just kind of curious like how many predictions were in line with mine. And I was shocked that um, like uh, Greg Wyshynski did an article of he surveyed other ESPN writers. Like he surveyed them all who they think. And it's not even uh, like Greg gets a vote and Emily Kaplan get a vote. But like there were people he surveyed that don't get a vote, right? And uh, Everson wasn't even in wasn't even a top three like it was Quenville Brindamore and Keefe I think and Mm. uh look like I mean it's easy for me to nitpick because I watch every single one of their games like uh Keefe Keefe for me uh credit to how a team plays I think deserves like top three voting for for some lineup decisions I I've been a, a little puzzled at times but it's never really affected the team's performance so I do understand how he would get like a top three billing. He just doesn't for me though. He's probably fifth or sixth for me. Like he's up there and he, I do he, think he's one of the best coaches in the league, but there have been, I, it's just, it, for me, there's just been like, has he been one of the best this year? I don't know about that. Is he one of the best in the league? For sure. He is right. Keith said, it's like a John Cooper thing. Like there's just like, going to be years where it's just not going to be his year for this award for me. You know, yeah. Keith's keeps weird. And like, I, I know a hundred percent. I I don't want to take anything away from what you said because I probably watch. I think I've missed one Leaf game this year. Um, I know exactly what you're saying when you say the the lineup choices with Keith. But like the the one thing I will say in his defense is like there's this really weird like media push where it's like oh here's the lineup and they put the lineup out. And it's like seven seven o'clock, and the game's at seven thirty. And here's the lineup, and we all go, "Ah, oh, that's bullshit." But like, 
very rarely does Sheldon Keith keep the same lineup during a game. Yeah. As to what he posts at the beginning. It's 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 very fluid. And I think that's that's definitely the way to approach the modern game. So I'll give him a little bit of credit there, but I know what you mean in terms of the the criticism that he gets from the initial line card. He, he's great. Like I I absolutely love him for the Leafs. I think he's the perfect perfect coach. Yeah. Uh, the uh, James Norris Trophy, which I sh- uh, assume was not easy for anyone. Oh my god. I said I spent. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. At 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 least an hour and a half on this. Um, okay. And and it's not so much that I just think that there are years where the Norris happens where it's like three or four guys where it's like fuck they're better than everyone, and here's why and it's just like very very, it's very easy to tell. But as analytics are having more of an effect on the game, for every stat you can give to a defenseman. It's almost like you'll look at another stat and it's like, it's not that he's been bad, but this guy's been better at this and this guy's been better at that. And then you kind of have to decide like what stats sort of work for you. And um, so this week I knew what I was kind of looking for going into it, but the more I dove into, I was just kind of surprised to see guys end up where they were. Now I will say this much when I was doing all that research, it was more so for my finalists. I knew who was winning the Norris for me going into it. I do think it's, for me, it's not close, but I do understand any other cases. Uh, It's Adam Fox for me, for sure. Uh, Number one. Uh, For me, it's Dougie Hamilton at two. And it's Kale McCarr at three. My honorable mention will go to Charlie McAvoy. And the only reason I couldn't give it to him is he just, I hate to say it, he doesn't have enough points for me. (laughs) Like, I hate to be that fucking guy, but it's like he's got 27 points, 47 games, and he passes to like Pasternak and shit like that. It's like you'd think he'd have more points, but it's not even a detract. It's not even like I'm detracting from him, right? It's just like Makar and Hamilton kind of just have the offensive production over him, and and that's all. That's what I'll say. I think the four of them have been unbelievable this year. Uh, sorry, did you include your midseason? Oh, I did not. Thank you, my guy. Uh, my mid-seasons were... I had Charlie McAvoy winning the Norris uh, mid-season. Uh, Victor Hedman was my number two. Kale McCarr is my number three. And I guess, for the record, Hedman would probably be my five. Uh, he has not as good defensive stats as those other four, but he has very good offensive production. So, And, uh, he, and we all know he's a good player. So, Yeah. Uh, my mid-season was uh, Hedman won... Sam Gerard two and Alex Petrangelo three. My finalists were number three Victor Hedman, uh, number two Dougie Hamilton, and number one Adam Fox. I, I, I think I think Hedman, at the end of the day, if 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 you're the Seattle Kraken and no one is protected, oh I I think you're picking Victor Hedman as your number one defenseman tomorrow. I, oh, yeah. I don't no for I don't, sure yeah. I think he's well, one of the best defensemen in the league. Um, the the points thing is that a result of not playing with Kucher of all year and missing a lot of Stamkos. Maybe is the defensive number, you know, thing. Maybe, yeah, we don't have the MVP from a couple of years ago and our captain. Maybe, like, but I still think he's a really good defenseman. So he gets my third spot on 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 this one. 
I get. I guess it's not a conversation we really need to have now because you and I are planning to do whether it's a bonus episode or work it into the middle of an episode. But our top uh, twenty by position rankings at some point in the, in the next month or two. And I'd be curious. Like you do raise an interesting point. Like if no one were protected, you'd take Victor Hedman number one as a defenseman. He'd he'd pr- at this point like he if you needed a number defenseman. one defenseman. Yeah. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, the Calder Trophy. I think it's for rookies. Uh, uh, it says here. <laughs> That's right, James. Yeah. Um, now, uh, at mid-season, I had uh, Kirill Kaprizov number one, uh, Kevin Lankin in number two, and Capo Kakin in number three. Uh, but I've been told that uh, Kirill Kaprizov actually um, last month he turned thirty-two. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, yeah. I can't take him anymore. Uh, but I, well, I did it anyway, though. You know what? Uh, I oh, did. Wow. So, Kirill Kaprizov, number one, Jason Robertson, number two, and uh, Igor Shestjorkin for me at number three. Uh, my midseason, I went uh, Tim Stutzla at number one, Kevin Lankin at number two, and Kirill Kaprizov at number three. Uh, my final rankings, I have Alex Nedjokovic at number three, Jason <laughs> Robertson at number two, and Kirill Kaprizov at number one. I like Nadalkovic. I think he's uh, yeah, he's going to be a really good goalie for a long time. I, I don't know if the game's played are there, but like the results are there at this point, and I can't really fault really him good. on the decisions of Rodbert Demore. So, like the th- the thing is too is like, would I put him as a top ten goalie in the league? Like maybe not. Like he's pretty he's pretty close for me at this stage, but like. When you're playing behind Carolina, like all they've ever needed is like decent goaltending, right? Like Peter Morazic has given them decent goaltending, and now now they get a guy who's like above average, and it's like, oh my god, look at this fucking, <laughs> look yeah. at him, he's unbelievable, right? Like it's yeah, I, I like him. Now, I don't want to spend too long, but do we have to change the the Calder rules at this point? Because I think maybe we do. <sighs> yeah, we probably have time to have this conversation. Um. Well, let, let me hear your argument why you think we do. Okay, so because I think I've, you feel more passionately about it than I do. So I've heard it. I've heard it both ways, and I, I get the. I get. I get. Look, I get both arguments. I. I do. I understand. Like I. I want people to understand that. Like I. I. I've. I've seen your your concern, and I understand why you you feel this way, but. The NHL changed the rules on who could win the Calder because of a guy named Sergei Makarov that came over from Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991 and put up like 83 points Wait, as a defenseman with are, the Calgary Flames. Are you telling me that the Soviet Union's no more? I think it collapsed at some oh, point. No. Yes, I, I believe. Oh, no. He, he comes over and he's like 32 years old and he has this big monster season and he wins the caller and everyone's like, what the fuck? And like, that is absolutely fair. The problem is that they changed the age requirement for the Calder without getting rid of the professional hockey experience aspect of the Calder. If if Sergei Makarov came over to the NHL as a 32-year-old defenseman that had spent 10 years playing in the BCHL, 
no one has a problem with this. It's because he came over from the professional Soviet, you know, system where he was playing against the best of the best and had a great year. And that probably isn't a rookie in the eyes of most people. And I a hundred percent agree. Kirill Kaprizov comes over after six years, six. I, 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 I don't mean to like age the guy more than he is. He's not as old as the jokes are, but he played six years in the KHL, which in my opinion is the second best league in the world in terms of hockey. So if we're going to call this guy a rookie in terms of what professional hockey is, I guess that's fine because that's how the definition of the rule is today. But it doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you compare it to the actions of like a 19-year-old Tim Stutzla who played professional hockey in the German league for a year, which is nowhere near the level of the KHL or, you know, Jason Robertson, I I get it. He's a couple years younger, but his, his career path is not the KHL. Like, I I don't know what's the argument here. Are we trying to do diminish what the KHL is, or are we trying to say that Kirill Kaprizov played meaningless hockey his entire career and is now a rookie because like it can't be both so that's kind of where i come down on it i would much rather see the 40 year old beer league goalie break through and win the calter than us put some sort of arbitrary age limit at 32 um, based on some guy that won it 30 years ago. I'm, I'm okay with it. And, and the reason for that is, is this for me and, and whether or not this directly, uh, contradicts the way that the award is worded, but like for me, I don't, I don't consider the KHL, like I consider the KHL a step above the AHL, but it's very clearly a step down, at least from the NHL for me. And I do think that it it sort of serves as like a developmental league in a way. So he's playing against better competition longer, and for sure he gets he gets well groomed. Um, but it's like it's like an AHL team, it's like a KHL team. Like just because you're playing against good players doesn't mean you're going to become a good player. He still kind of has to get there. So the award for me is like anyone that's outside of the NHL in a, in a way, um, because. Until you've played in the NHL, I have no belief that you can uh, until I see it, right? And so, like, that that's kind of my thought. Like, when we when we coached hockey, that was how they treated their rookie role too, right? It was like a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old. If you're playing your first year midget A, like, you're technically a rookie, right? They just, they changed it after a while. But the first few years that we were coaching, like, that's how they did it. And to me, that was like, yeah, like I, I don't know if you being really good at 16 in midget A your first year is more impressive to me than like a good 15-year-old. But technically speaking, like you are the best rookie even though you're older, right? Like you are the best first-year player in the division if that's the the standard we want to go by. So you know what? Like um, to, to me, it's kind of one of those things where uh, I think if enough people would like to see younger guys win this award, that's that's fine. If And if we want to decide the KHL 
is hands down a, a professional league that, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't count if you're coming over. Um, I, I think I'm open to that for sure. But for me, I don't have a problem with Karel Kaprizov being a rookie. Like I, I, I'm fine with it being essentially anyone from outside the, the NHL up unto the age limit. Like I do think there is a little bit of a case there, but playing six years in the KHL, but you were younger than 22 or 23, like almost that whole time, you know what? Like that, that's okay for me. So you're fine with Sergey Makarov winning the Calder when he did, I guess. But he was old though, wasn't he? Like he had played, he had played there 32. for a while. Like, I mean, I mean, I guess thirty-one. Off, sorry, for, because it, it was it was within the rules. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm like the rules he, state that Kirill Kaprizov should win it. So I'm not for sure. Like, no, he's, I, he's no, number I, one on my on my list, right? So th- this is an award for me where uh, I personally personally don't give a fuck how old the player is at all. Okay, whether that whether or not that's right or wrong, I don't know. And if people would like to see this be an award where it's like you have to be twenty-three or younger or twenty-five or younger. What is it now? It's 27? It's 28. 28. So you got to be 28 or younger right now, and you can't have a bunch of pro experience. Like, I I no, think... It, it, it's it's just the age limit. It's just 28, which makes no sense to me. Sure. I don't know. I, I think it's weird to draw the line. Like, I think Jordan Bennington playing eight years in the AHL makes him less of a rookie to me than Karel Kaprizov being 23 and coming over from the K. Like to me, Bennington is less of a is less of a he's less of a rookie to me. I guess if we're gonna, sure. you know what I mean, make a spectrum to it. So it's not so more... mu- it's not so much what league they came from for me, really. Okay, I, I, I maybe what I'm saying is I don't respect the KHL. <laughs> okay, well I I I do because I, but... I I I think the, the the KHL is the second best league in the league, in the world, but like probably yeah. Even if you want to put like the the whole like yeah you're you're 26 you spent a couple years in the K that's great but like is 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 the spirit of the Calder not more impressive when it's some 18 year old that's come out of junior than the 24 year old that played a few years in pro like to me like Kirill Kaprasov is having a great year. That's fantastic. And and he is the best rookie in the NHL. But is what he's doing any more impressive than a 19-year-old? No. Like, hands down, no. You're going to take four or five years away from a guy in terms of his maturity and his experience and his development and say that they're having eh, somewhat similar seasons, even if the 19-year-old's having a little bit of a step back, to do it at that level at the NHL is vastly more impressive to me than some guy that has been playing the game longer, that has been developing longer, that has been paid to play the game longer at an elite level to what this other 19 year old has done is all around more impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand your point. Uh, to me, it's like Connor Bedard showing up in the WHL at 15, doing what he's doing. It's like, oh gee, yeah, no, he's he's really good. He's 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 on the under 18s, but he's 15 years old, and he's leading them in scoring at the under 18s over guys that are 16 and 17 years old. Like, yeah, we're gonna have to find uh, five or ten minutes to talk about that kid. By the way, at some point in the next yes. few weeks, because that <laughs> he holy fuck 
Um, but regardless, like I, I understand what you're saying, James. And, and this, like, I know I say this from time to time, but like, this is one of those arguments where I'm willing to admit that maybe I'm on the wrong side of it, but it's just like, I don't, I don't find Kirill Kaprizov that much more egregious than like Makar playing college for a few years, than Pedersen playing in the Swedish league. Uh, Barzal, Barzal obviously came base. I think he came from junior, but like Austin Matthews played pro. Like it's not in the KHL, but like (sighs) it's, it's just like, it's, it's (laughs) not as like, holy fuck. Wow. But it's still to me, like coming over from the K, there are a lot of guys where it doesn't work at all. And the fact that Kaprizov ended up being as good as, as everyone said he was going to be, it's pretty impressive to me. Like the last time I was really, really blown away by like an 18 or 19 year old um, a guy that won a Calder, I guess too, would have been Nathan McKinnon. And it's been kind of shifting up in age and shifting up based on guys that have played pro at some point. And maybe that's wrong. Like, I understand that that's kind of what you're getting at. Like maybe we should go sort of back to who's the best guy to come out of junior. Who's the best guy to come out of a developmental Swedish uh, junior league kind of thing, rather than a guy that came from the Swedish elite league or the, KHL kind of thing I understand that but no to me it's the it's the who's the most impressive new player we got and that and I like the award that way but I understand your point Austin Matthews of course playing uh pro at 17 years old very much the same as uh 23 year old in the, in the K but the uh the heart trophy I suppose is the last one that we have to talk about yeah, it's a always a fun one, eh? Uh, well, this year I think it's uh, it's a little more fun because it's it's a little easier I think this year than than a lot of years because there's less philosophical argument to it, right? It's not like Jack Eichel put up uh, 140 points on that awful Sabres team and are like, oh, but they didn't make the playoffs. Uh, everyone I think that's a contender this year is on a good team, so it, we don't have to have that conversation. Uh, Connor McDavid, number one for me by a freaking landslide. Um, number two for me is Andre Vasilevsky and number three is Austin Matthews. My fourth would have been Nathan McKinnon. And I debated between him and Matthews at two and I had Vasilevsky at three. And then I'm like, well, if I have Vasilevsky on my ballot and I'm not sure if I want Matthews or McKinnon on the ballot, then maybe they should be three instead of two. So that, that was the adjustment I made, but uh, I guess my big thought there with Vasilevsky too is just that, look, I know they're missing Kucherov. They've missed Stamkos. I'm not saying the Lightning suck by any stretch here. Uh, but they have been awful when Vasilevsky's not in net. They've lost almost all of those games. I think the two goalies, three goalies that have played, other than Vasilevsky, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I've won maybe four of the 15, 16 games they've played. It's not been good. And they've all got lit the fuck up. Like McElhinney's been bad. Gibson's been bad. Vasilevsky, I think, is the backbone of that team this year. I, I got him at number two. A oh, five and game. My my uh my midseason. I had Patrick Kane at number one. So now, because they were still good back then. Matthews at two, McDavid at three. Uh, five games won by backups between McElhinney and Gibson, sir. You you I forgot Gibson Gibson won on Sunday. I forgot about that. Yeah. There it is. My midseason, I had uh, Kane at one, Matthews at two, Vasilevsky at three. Um, my season-ending ballot is I have um, Sidney Crosby at three, Andre Vasilevsky at one. two, 
and uh, some guy by the name of Connor Mac David at uh, number number one. So the way, the way you phrased that, I was like, "Oh no, is he gonna find a way to argue?" <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, man. Like this. This is the year where it's just like, man, McDavid. Am I right? <laughs> it's just like he he's this, been awesome, this, man. This he's is, fucking playing defense imagine. now and shit. It's it's great. He's fucking. This is this is what I want him to be. He's he's perfect. He's perfect this, this season. This he's is great. what I imagine people in like 1984 were like. So are we going to give it to Gretzky again? <laughs> I guess. Like it's hard to say no, but like he's he scored 200 points. That's never happened before. So I guess we got to give it to Gretzky this year. Yeah. Like that's how I imagine this season's going. Where it's like, yeah, there's there's no way anybody gets like 80 points this season. And McDavid's like, <laughs> uh, here's a hundred, and we're all sitting here thinking maybe we don't know hockey like we thought we did, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. unfortunate the unfortunate thing is that the most recent comparable they have to like a points production at this level is Lemieux during the comeback season, and so they all compare it to two thousand two thousand one, and it's like yeah, like it's crazy that it hasn't happened since then. But like that was more impressive. That was insane. The guy got off his couch after three years and fucking put up like this points at the same point. Praise. It's it's just like, it's not taking anything away from McDavid, but it's like every time you hear those comparisons, it's like, yeah, but like that is probably the most impressive season that anyone has ever had in NHL history. Maybe like that, that you could make that argument. Right. And it's like, compare it to McDavid this year. And it's like, no, it's up there, but it's, it's not number one. Like that was insane. Yeah. You know, the best part, uh, mm-hmm. Lemieux didn't win the heart that year, so <laughs> who won it? Yeah. Take a guess. Come on, 2000, 2001. 2000, 2001. Well, why, like, why do I think it's Yager? He finished third. Oh my god. Uh, was that Pronger? Uh, no, th- this guy won by almost double the vote. Oh my god, uh, more who, than who sorry, sorry, more than double the vote. 2000, 2001, who won? Yeah, uh, Joe Sakic. Oh, he's good too. He had 54 goals coming off of a 28 goal season the year before, 118 points. He's good he too. Won the, he won the Bing, the Hart, the Pearson uh, in a year that they also won the Cup. So I, I get it, I guess. Yeah. But okay, I think I think we covered them all there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quick little overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite here at the back of the episode because we haven't talked enough hockey this week. Uh, I just wanted to just do this one because we I don't think we ever really talk about this kind of stuff too much on the podcast. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, current NHL players, James. Let's do it. Who do you, who do you got? Overrated. Uh, overrated. Uh, your team's starting goaltender. My team's starting goaltender. No, like there's, there's three good goalies in the entire Over- league. So uh, it's just whichever goalie you cheer for oh. is the most overrated. Um. I thought, I'll narrow, I, thought, I thought you meant the team that I write for. Like, no, the, I thought you were saying Connor no, Hellebuck's overrated. No. I'm like, no, he's the guy. Like, that's the guy. No, no, there, there's there's three good ones, but I'll narrow it down and I'll say Jacob Markstrom, I guess. If Connor Hellebuck, that, well, that's, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You might be right, actually. Uh, I, I was going to say, if Connor Hellebuck were on the Lightning, he, he'd have like a 945 every season. I, I'm convinced. Well, the guy's fucked. He's insane. It's crazy. Uh, my overrated is uh, I went John Carlson. 
That's fair. Yeah. He hasn't played defense in a while, and it's but he's not a like he, and it's not like and exactly, and he's a defenseman, and he puts up uh like he gets the Brent Burns treatment, but he doesn't put up points like Brent Burns, and he's not big enough to even like have like high impact plays like Brent Burns. Yeah, I like John Carlson when he chooses to play defense, but he hasn't in in a few years. Uh, and I think he's a byproduct of Dmitry Orlov at this point. So I went Carlson. Okay. You're underrated. Uh, five months ago, I would have said Nikolai Ehlers, but I guess mm. we're all aware that he's pretty Damn. good now. Damn. So uh, I'll, I'll go with uh, Joel Erickson Eck, who everyone I talk to seems to think he's in his second year in the NHL. Not the case. Nope. It's been, yeah. it's been five years now. So pretty good. Uh, underrated, I went. Uh, it's a tie for me. I went uh, Carter Verhage, but I think everyone kind of knows about him now, so I don't know if he's underrated anymore. Uh, uh, so beyond Verhage, I went uh, Thomas Grice. I think does not get enough love. Uh, underlying numbers, he's top 10 goalie of the last five years. And uh, considering that that includes a year on Detroit, it's pretty good. So I, I think he's solid, even though I think he used to be terrible. But he's gotten there. I think he's solid. He's 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 fine. Yeah, I'd like to see him be a full year as a starter. But you know what the I, thing I, with I, him? I think he's underrated for sure. So. The thing with him is he just he never gets lit up. He do, he doesn't he doesn't have a game where he like lets in sure. four goals and five shots very often. He doesn't get pulled. It's... He's just he's solid every night, and that's kind of what you need right now. You know, it, it, it's like when Canada plays Latvia at the international stage. Yeah, for sure, I get it. So he's Latvia. Yeah. Okay. So he's Christers Godlevkis. Hey there, Christers. Hey, soul Christers. So that's my favorite. Your favorite now, yeah. Okay, so I I've got here. Um, uh, Insert Maple Leafs centerman here, I guess is my answer. Um, no, like wow, it's, Alex Kerfoot, that's crazy. It's Austin Matthews, but there was a point where Spezza, Thornton, and Tavares were all like my favorite players at one point while playing for different teams. So I'll go Matthews on uh, a uh, uh, who's who of honorable mentions behind him, I suppose. Uh, Mark Stone or Ryan O'Reilly for me? Ryan O'Reilly. Very big fan. Never in my life would I have guessed that you liked Ryan O'Reilly. Isn't he my he's my type of guy, isn't he? Like he's a he's a sort of a hard nosed guy who just kinda is good defensively and has decent offensive capabilities. Like he's an Anse Kopitar type. He's like Kopitar is like right behind him kind of thing. You know, he's just he's that he's just a. I think he's super on brand for me, actually. I, I, I think once he crashed his truck into a Tim Hortons, you were like, ah, oh, this guy likes his coffee with cigarettes dipped in them. No, thank you. Mm. Um, but You that's... know, I had a coffee today from Tim Hortons, and I was disappointed it didn't taste like darts. Hmm. I think you might be going to the wrong Tim Hortons, but that's just my two cents. I didn't. I, well, I don't go there. Trust me, I don't go there. If I'm buying my coffees, I go many other places but uh they are given to me and mm. i will drink them so i go to the uh, uh the supporters of the police uh bay street village for my coffees but uh is that where you go 
that's not any better, I suppose, in the in the big social picture. I, so. you know what, I, I guess if we're talking about it too, like uh, McDonald's is the is the most often one, just because it's it's very close to where I work. But yeah, uh, when we get coffees from not McDonald's, uh, Sweet North is where I get. Uh, they open their drive-through location like a couple blocks from from where I work. Now it's on Fort mm. William Road. They have good coffee. Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh least favorite so so my least favorite and i i think i i I believe ryan kessler isn't playing hockey anymore he might still be under contract i honestly yeah i have no idea i think he is but uh i'll I'll go Corey perry at that point so yeah (laughs) yeah dealer's choice really do you like your goaltenders with a head full of knee or do you like your players with a stick full of dick? Uh, it's your choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my obvious answer would be Tom Wilson, but it, it like, I don't even know if it is really, you know, like it just like, it, it just feels trendy right now. So I didn't yeah. go Tom Wilson. Um, I thought about it. I had a few different guys where I'm like, I don't really like them. And then I realized there is a guy in the league uh, currently active, so not Tony D'Angelo, that I actually hate. Uh, and it's Brendan Lemieux. And um, it's mostly just because I've heard stories uh, of him off the ice. This doesn't sound like a very good guy. So I, I've never really liked him. And he plays that sort of on-edge style. And he's never done it on a team that I'm like a huge fan of like I thought he sucked on Winnipeg and then he was fine on the Rangers but like I I don't know kind of fucked the Rangers because he was kind of buddies with D'Angelo it felt like uh, now he's on the Kings and uh, I don't really care about them right now either so um, I don't know fuck them I don't really like them thus maintaining the NHL's mandate of having uh, one Lemieux hated by one fan base at, at any given time. So. That's right. And as soon as uh, Brendan's run onto the league, I'm sure Claude will have his second comeback attempts. Third, sorry. Third, Third right, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. Um, yeah. Well, jam-packed week, but, you know, we got to everything, I think. We'll see you at the playoffs, I think. I'm not wow. sure. Yeah, I guess I'll say that here for those who don't have Twitter, because we will update it on Twitter. We are not exactly sure what the recording schedule is going to be the next two weeks, just because we have absolutely no idea when the NHL playoffs start. And that's not our fault. And that's not your fault. That's the NHL's fault. Uh, so I, I don't know what the hell we're going to do there. But uh, as of right now, I think we're aiming for next Thursday, but we we don't know. So there might be an episode Monday. There might be one uh thursday it might be later than that probably not but yeah anyway i'll uh, i'll talk to you in a month sir and i'll talk to the rest of you in two. Oh, okay i'm telling you this place is perfect you're gonna make friends in no time get me out of here here just eat that leave us alone
Uber SUVs. We used to ride around the city streets. Only six of us, but we will pull up like we 50 deep. If you want to hang with us, you gotta bring some drugs at least. Life was seen. Pull up, make a scene like it's Steve McQueen. Flights Atlantis, the drip outlandish. I just spent 10 racks and sacks, fifth in the standard. I ain't never asked to be this way. I ain't planning it. It starts with good intentions. I end up doing damage. Look, I'ma tell you how this ends before it even starts. I'ma have to make amends after I break your heart. I'ma flirt with all your friends and then we break apart. If our story was a play, it'd be a tragedy. There's a reason why my exes all still mad at me. And that's another love I killed, another casualty. How this thing go from a blessing to catastrophe? It's a travesty. I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker. I know I broke your heart, but I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Know the end is the hardest. Wish I could restart it. Professional bad decision maker. Wish that I could be honest. I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker. They should write a movie about the shit that we did. Deviate acceptance from the drugs that we did. You think I learned from my past, but I'm a creature of habit. We had so much gone for us, man. What happened is tragic. My girl is a savage. Bad influences all around me. Drunk at bag and tail, all drunk. My table is rowdy. Had to let go of Ali. I regret it for modest. I'm draped in designer. Said I needed the one and I found her. Now she's back in Portland. Had to say this shit is important. I ruined everything I love. Man, this shit is like torture. Sorry that you had to deal with it. Rehashing all wounds. Still won't let you heal with it Yo, you hear this shit? Yeah Skizzy back on this shit again 5K for the fit again Fucked up at the win again Me and my dogs the same like a synonym It's ridiculous I can't help I'm a professional bad decision maker I know I broke your heart But I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Know the end is the hardest Wish I could restart it Professional bad decision maker Wish that I could be honest I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker